five minutes in speeches. It is footy and frothies. We are here live at Club Redfern for the book launch of League on Sunday Work on Monday. I've literally just peeled the, the wrapping off my copy, uh, which is fantastic because I'm working tonight, so it's a tax write-off, which is excellent for me. Um, very pleased to join, as always, by Ollie and uh, Trev, who have joined us down the freeway to come down and have a chat and meet a few people. And honoured to, uh, be, first of all, be invited, but second of all, be joined by Tony Loxley, author. Um, how are you tonight, Tony? Yeah, I'm great, mate. Thanks for coming, fellas. It's really important to me that uh, you guys showed an interest in what I think is a groundbreaking book. Yeah. yeah. And um, just quickly, how are the nerves now? Now we're underway and we're an hour in and people actually turned up. You're right. Or? Yeah, yeah. Look, there's some great people here and there's a lot of people that still haven't made it just yet. But um, yeah. Oh, look, you know, I, I didn't even get Ted Goodwin's interview uh, uh, signature, so I just missed. <laughs> he's had to go early. But uh, look, there's still some great players here and some fantastic people. And I'm really proud. Yep. And uh, so take us back to your, first of all, tell us about yourself. Is this your first book or? No, that's my so, 17th book. Wow. Okay. So yeah. uh, take us back to okay, so, the, the quick uh, bibliography. Okay. And very quickly. Um, I was born in 65. I was a North supporter. I grew up around North Sydney, which back then North Sydney was very working class. Um, always loved the Bears. Sorry about that, fellas. No, that's the that's way okay. it is. All right. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Volandis, if you're listening, please bring back the Bears. I mean, He's made every other change under the sun <laughs> so far. So well, let's agenda. hope he... Yeah, look, well, speaking of that, I'm glad he's keeping the scrum, so that's really important. But, uh, no, look, uh, so, yeah, uh, born in 65, grew up in North Sydney, huge Norse fan, played for Norse juniors, went to Marsden High School, so played Commonwealth Bank Cup, played guys like uh, Benny Elias, the Gale brothers, um, uh, Greg Alexander and that. I mean, you knew back then those guys were going to be champions because, as I wrote in my preface, you could take the game to them in the first, well, 25 minutes, you looked reasonably good. Yeah. And then there was a cricket score come full time. So, But uh, look, they were great memories. Um, I've always loved speedway and motor racing, so I took up photography. Uh, probably in 84, 85, I gave up football um, to pursue uh, photography, work and girls, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, but I, I've always wanted to do a football book. I've done a lot of motor racing and speedway books and uh, same beautiful quality as these. Yeah. But, you know, rugby league was something that was very special to me. And, and I thought, if you're going to do a rugby league book, you're going to do it, no, I think, the best years of the sport. And I know, and it's nothing against today's players. Yep. They're magic players, magic sport. Greatest game of all, no doubt. But I wanted to do it where the players were still just working class guys, just like me at the time and, you know, 99% of the population. There was no such thing as full-time professional. No, that's right, mate. Look, I remember when I was a young kid watching the ABC game or the old Channel 10 game, the State Bank game of the round. Like, the player would run out there and it will be like, say who he is, how old he is, and have occupation. Yeah. So how, how good was that? Like, you don't see that anymore because obviously the game's full-time. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and uh, look, the great thing is we had some fantastic uh, 
to, to do this book, I, there's two people I approached. I, unfortunately, I was seriously injured in the cops last year, and that was the end of my career, and I was medically discharged towards the end of last year. And it breaks my heart that I can't do that job anymore. Yeah. But um, with the help of my lawyers, who are over on the far side there, <laughs> uh, they were able to secure a little bit of my future anyway. Yeah. So um, I wanted to put some of that money towards the, the rugby league book. To do that, I approached Alan Whitaker and Ian Collis, and mate, uh, we were able to secure Ian's incredible collection, uh, Graham Munro's incredible collection uh, from the 80s, and um, and Verat's uh, collection from the 90s, or part thereof. So, um, you know, it was a. I was I was still badly injured at the time, uh, but I just got to work and you know worked really hard to get this book out. But it's turned out perfectly. Um, yeah, a couple of little technical issues with with the printer, but that's not no one's fault. You know, a couple of typos got through, but we put a correction card in. Uh, but otherwise, it's an amazing book. Yeah. Lots of footy cards, lots of things that meant a lot to me when I was growing up in football. Yeah. And I think that's the secret to the success of this book. Yeah, fantastic. Mate, um, just want to quote Andrew Voss, what he said about the book. He, his exact words were, the pages in the book have been like a scorching, cherished family photo album. Yeah. Like, how does that make you feel when someone like Vossi gives that, that type of uh, encouragement or type of feedback on your book? Well, that's great. You know, I'm really proud. Um, I haven't heard of Voss from Vossi really since, which yeah. is a shame, but I know he's very busy. So, um, look, mate, I, I know he loves the book and I know he's very proud of it, which is the reason why we got him to do the afterword. And, of course, for me, the greatest bear of all, other than Donnie McKinnon, uh, was, you know, definitely Greg Florimo, and I was very proud to have Greg on board for yeah, the book, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Um, with your, you talked about securing the collections, um, what condition were they in? Were, were they film? Were they photos? Uh, was there a lot well, of digital transfer to be done? No, no, no. Most of them, they were all prints. Yeah. The black and whites were all prints, and the uh, the slide, well, the, the rest of the colour was mainly slides that had to be scanned, so I ended up scanning oh, thousand plus scans. And that's hand scanning you're going hand through. Hand scanning with yep. a, a professional Epsom scanner, which yep. is why the pictures look so good. But, you know, a lot of the black and whites had, you know, they were good quality, but I just in, enhanced the quality um, yep. so that they looked like they were taken yesterday. And I think that's important too, because you don't want the smudges and the stamps and all that sort of stuff off them. But um, Ian had an incredible collection, which he purchased the rights for and, um, you know, do a negotiation and away we go. Yep. Fantastic, and you uh, and you did the art, the rest of the art in it was you, the scanning you did yourself. You had to help. Yeah. Uh, well, Andrew did a lot of the work. Yeah. Andrew Green, who I just uh, uh, spoke to, I that's just purchased yeah. the book from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Uh, so Andrew did a bit of the, um, uh, art, but we all contributed to the artwork. So you know, if we felt something needed to be changed, we all worked together. So. Um, but considering that I was still in a lot of pain when I started the book. Yeah. How are you travelling now? I didn't ask. Oh, you. still, yeah. Look, I've just started boxing again and getting trying Can to... Can I ask um, about the injuries? Or, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, no, no. I had a had a bloke try to, uh, well, let's just say, uh, have me kill him. So it was a suicide by cop. He'd already thrown a knife at me and he just coming at me, kept coming at me, kept coming at me. Anyway, that destroyed my back in the struggle. And then I recovered from that and then some pelican tried to grab my gun and snap my knees. So, yeah, uh, it can be tough in the cops, but yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm lucky. Some of my mates weren't so lucky. So, um, but they're... 
the police force, I mean, they're incredible people, you know, and I miss it terribly and I miss my mates. But uh, I'm proud to serve the country, you know, I've served yeah, the state absolutely. for 17 years, yeah. Uh, um, and, yeah, I guess, thank you. I've got a, a cousin and an uncle that both served yeah. long term. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. thanks for that service. Yeah. Uh, going forward, uh, you've obviously found it, got a passion with this. Is this something you want to keep going down the, the rabbit hole of? Absolutely, yeah. So. And I hope... Uh, the people in rugby league will continue to support yep. these books, you know, because they're not cheap. Um, I'll be brutally frank, that's $70,000 of my money. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably only get it back. But you know what? You know what's important? Uh, it doesn't matter. To me, it's something that I've achieved, I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And I think I've captured uh, the essence of the game back then. I think we all have Alan, myself, Andrew, Ian Collis, and must say Ian's in hospital at the moment. He's having his surgery on his back, so shout out to Ian. I hope you're recovering, mate. Uh, but it was a group effort and a group effort only. And um, but yeah, it's a beautiful product, and you know yeah. we didn't print a lot of them. Uh, but so get in fast. That's all I can say. Yeah, at the yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, any any questions from you boys? Yeah, um, I'm interested. You worked as a police officer for so long. Yeah. And you've also, as you said, this is your 17th book. You've been an author. Yeah. This might be a bit of a hard question, but what are the biggest similarities between working in the police force and working as an author? Stress. Stress. <laughs> yeah. And facts. <laughs> Stress. Mate, no oh, for, for the most part, let me tell you. Uh, for, uh, I did a series of five books in a four and a half, five year period. And I'd finish my shift and then work on the books for a few hours, go to sleep. Get up, work on the books for a few hours, go to work. And you have time off, you know, you work two days, two nights on the streets and then you have a series of days off. Well, that's when I took advantage of that. Yep. But no, I was very bloody proud, mate, you know, that I was able to... Um, you know, you, you just battle the injuries and you just keep going through. And yeah. uh, I'm no sook. I, I, I loved, I love the challenge, and, and that's what it is, fellas. Doing a book is a challenge. Yeah, it really is. Everyone um, I know that's, that sets out to do one. Yeah, half like they finish and just go. That was one of the biggest challenges of my life. Like, Absolutely, you know, and and the stress, and and then holding a function like this. Um, you know, I, I won't get my money back for this tonight. But yeah. that was not the idea. The idea was to get everybody together so that the greater rugby league community or those that are interested anyway um, can have a look at something that I think is very special yeah yeah yeah. Fantastic. Ollie, any? Oh, I just wanted to ask as well, you said for a little while you were working on the book whilst also working as a police officer yeah. and you'd come home from work and you'd yeah. keep writing. What told us that happened? You two parts of your life that are so time-consuming, Did was it easy to sort of get through or was it extremely difficult? The reason I did that is because I had taken my mind off some of the stress I was facing at work. Yeah. Um, I, well, after my first injury, I think I did a book. It was a way of just trying to forget some of the things I was going through. Would yeah. you say it's sort of like therapy? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, look, you look through that, when you finish something like that and you flick through every page, and I still go through it every day and forget actually what I've put in it. Yeah. Because there's over a thousand images in there, the old footy cards, which are so important. Yeah. The old Scanlons. The old Scanlons footy cards, they're all in there, the old uh, Rugby League Week team lineups and things like that. You know, that's the essence of this book because when I was growing up, that's the thing that used to interest us, the, yeah. the footy cards and that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the players were very grounded too. You would see the players just on the streets 
you don't see that anymore. It's and I don't know why. I don't know what's happened to the world, but it's changed. But the the great thing is that um, we we were a part of their lives, even though it's from a distance. We still um, the best way I could say this is uh, we assimilated with them in some regards. You know, we were working, and a lot of us were playing footy on the weekends too. So it was just like we were just like them, except of course they were at a higher level. And uh, yeah. okay, yeah. growing up, what was your favourite rugby league memory? Uh, nearly being killed at Brookvale Oval by Bob Fulton, I would suppose. <laughs> There's a famous rugby league uh, week cover that says, um, I could have killed someone, I think, like something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that was Bob Fulton. Well, I was one of those boys. <laughs> um, there were so many fans there, they were playing Norse, that, um, you know, when he got tackled right in the corner there, he nearly took out a bunch of kids, and I was one of those kids. But the crowd was so enormous, and I remember Bobby Fulton running. It was like the colossal of roads coming towards that football yep. sideline and I just remember him palming off blokes and coming towards us and thinking oh, oh we're gone you know, it was, <laughs> and, and back then as a kid that's how big the footballers looked yeah I mean absolutely. the same with you guys yeah. you would have seen these big men run on the field and you don't get the same even the perception with the loss of the suburban ground because you didn't in when I was sort of high school you jump on a train you'd go to a Saturday hour you jump a train go to um, Shark Park or yeah. you might go wherever yeah and yeah you're, you're there you're, you're sitting on the fence yeah. and the ball goes up you feel like you can catch the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. You lose out at your ANZs and your Bankwests. But. Yeah, it's a different at a stadium. I, I think what we enjoyed about those days, it was a lot more grounded all around. Yeah. You know, you didn't... The, the players were... It was easier access to the players. You you could assimilate with the players more. Um, and I, again, I'm not taking down the players today. No, 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 no. They're, they're fabulous athletes in that. I think today they're probably more highly stressed than ever. Yeah. You know, but, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, just a different world. And that's the world I wanted to capture. I wanted to capture what was so special to me. But, mate, look at the last State of Origin game. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, yeah. Awesome. The only thing I can't understand these days is they they don't uh, they don't get dirty anymore. Yeah, no, that's right. right. <laughs> they don't get dirty. You know, the grounds are in too good dirty. a condition these days. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Too much I, carpet. I, I played a couple of games, hard games at North Sydney Omel, Dremoyne Oval and places yep. like that. And my mum was scrubbing off the, the dirt out of my knees yep. and my elbows, you know, because it was like running on concrete. Yeah. And at North Sydney Oval back then was called Concrete Park. Yeah. It's the same with Dremoyne Oval and Leichhardt Oval wasn't much better. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but that was the appeal, like just yeah. running out. Yeah. You could hear your sprigs on the dirt, you know, you'd clunk, clunk, clunk as you ran out. Um, oh, mate, you know, like it's... It was a different era, and we, that's the era I wanted to capture. Yeah, but nothing against today's game. No, I mean, not at all. Yeah. And, and Peter Volandis, I've got to say, and fellas, I'm sure you'll agree, did an outstanding job to even get a bloody season yeah. going. Yeah, I think, oh, he did. Yeah, we talked but about it. you know what? It. I did say he was going to do it. Yeah. Had a lot of doubters. We had plenty of doubters. Yeah, he drove all the sport to get back on their feet, really, because yeah. yeah. they had to follow. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, the racing books. So where'd yeah. that passion come from? And so when you're, say, so you were a photographer yourself? Were you yeah, yeah. yeah old-fashioned SLR? Lot, or, or had photography you? photography and yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, I was a photographer from probably 1981. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'd always, I love motor racing. I always yeah. go into the Speedway as a little boy to Parramatta Speedway and yeah. watching the sprint car. And then in 81, I got an opportunity for one of the fellows who's here tonight, Dennis Newland, took me on the infield to Paramount or the, the pits 
which is an 81. And uh, luckily for me, I was able to take some photos. People like the photos. One thing led to another, and next thing you know, I've got a career, well, a hobby of doing speedway photos, yeah. you know. And then I did touring cars and everything else. But, um, yeah, mate, no, it was a very special time. And, uh, yeah, so I, I love the speedway. And in 85, I did a hardbound book, which had never been done. In fact, I think it was the first one in Australia's history, a hardbound wow. book on the speedway. Yeah. And I think I was all of 21 years old, you know, and it was just called Sprint Cars. And I That's just awesome. updated it yeah. last year with a 400-page version. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But no, sprint car racing to me is the motor racing equivalent of rugby league. Yeah. You know, you get speedway with the dirt and sideways, the big crash and the big hits and all that. Yeah. Speedway Definitely. is I've the got a, rugby league Yeah, equivalent. I've got a, yeah. a good friend who's got in it last few years and he's uh, he broke his back a couple of years ago, but he comes back and he, yeah. he can't help himself. He's got to get back and yeah. get back behind the wheel. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's a team grumpy racing. But, yeah. Um, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, any, with the current game, we'll talk about this one. When the Bears went, how hard was that? And then who do you follow anyone now or you just enjoy the game or you just floated out of it? Mate, when North got uh, taken out of the comp, along with Pen- uh, along with sorry Newtown and West and that, I think it had a sharp impact on the game, yeah. which is still felt to this day. I don't think today's rugby league head honchos have any idea the damage that was done. Yeah. You know, and I, I know the fans out there... Tens of thousands walked away forever. I, I really think they should give it a go. You know, like Norths and Wests. Well, Dad followed Balmain. He didn't watch a game between, you know, 99 and 05, basically. And same thing. He just yeah. said, no, no Balmain yeah. anymore, I'm out. No, no. And, and you think these are foundation clubs. Yeah. I mean, the AFL looks after their foundation clubs. <laughs> right. They're a part of the history of the sport. And to erase that, for whatever particular reason happened behind the closed doors with Norse, Manly, whatever happened, um, you hear all sorts of stories. At the end of the day, it was still a terrible, terrible event. And, yeah, it hurt me. I, I, I've got to tell you, I cried when Norse went out because, to me, it was everything. If it wasn't Speedway, it was Rugby League. And um, I'm not able to share that love with my children now because yeah. the Bears aren't there anymore. Yep. And, like, I rave about it to my kids and they go, Dad, we don't know what you're talking about. Who's the Bears? Yeah. I mean, how terrible is that? Who's the Bears? Yeah. Who's the Jets? What are you talking about? Because they're not around anymore. Mm. That's right. Um, the jerseys, which is so simple back then. Yeah. The game was simple. You had scrums where tough men batted it out in the scrums. But look at the injuries they're suffering today without the scrums. They're That's right. Getting some catastrophic right. injuries because the game's probably too fast. Yeah, the argument is they're too fit and um, too fast, you Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Um, mate, we're going to wrap it up. Okay, mate. Uh, this segment. Because oh, I, I think they want you over oh, at they're the calling. table. So they go, I want to this way. Sorry, right, I'll, I'll wrap think up. they're calling you, Trent. I'll, I'll wrap yeah. up quickly. Um, That's okay. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Thank no, you for the thank invite. You. Anthony, My pleasure, fellas. Beautiful, beautiful book. I've, uh, I've had the chance to have a look through it here. Yeah. Uh, proud to say I'm an owner as well. Yeah. Um, I, will get, I will grab your Sharpie and get you to, to whack some scribble on it before I go. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Give, give your plugs in. Where can people find this that aren't uh, here tonight? Okay, fullthrillerpublishing.com.au if yep. they go to the website. Or if they choose to go to Dimmicks, uh, Woods Lane are our distributor. Yep. So that's at Dimmicks and all good bookshops. Um, yeah, mate, look, it, it's... 
Uh, and of course here tonight, but uh, look, we're very, very proud and thanks fellas. It's an, an honour to have you guys here, honestly. Uh, it's, thanks um, for having us here as well, mate. Like, we'll get you back on the show because yeah. I believe you're not far from Penrith yourself. No, no, look, I'll come down, I'll give you my opinions, but I just yeah. don't want... No, no, that's it. No, uh, if there was knives involved, we ought to have given up a year ago. <laughs> that's right. But um, get, we'll let you get up and get your, say your words. Yep. Um, congratulations again. Thank yep. you again. Uh, and hopefully we'll catch up soon for a bit. And go Certainly, the Bears. Welcome back to Club Redfern at the League on Sunday, work on Monday, book launch. So we've got a, another special guest, ex-footy player from North and Manly, Don McKinnon. How are you, Don? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, that's yep. good, mate. And um, what are you doing with yourself these days, mate? Uh, not a great deal, mate. I, uh, I don't work. I play a lot of golf and... Um that's about it. Yeah, where, where, where do you play golf at? Play golf at Monash. A few ex-footballers there. Johnny Gibbs, Max Krillich. Uh, Fatty was a member there until he moved to the Gold Coast last year. Uh, Russell Gardner's a member there. I don't play with Russell much, but I play with the other guys. Um, play you know, two or three times a week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Great to hear, mate. So, mate, what are your thoughts on the book, what you've seen so far? Thoughts on the book? I, mate, I haven't looked past the front cover, actually. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, what are your I'm thoughts not, on not, the night so far? Yeah, a couple about, of beers. I'm, yeah. I'm not happy about the photo of uh, Les Davis is about to unleash one on the chin. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, luckily, he's a nice bloke. I'd never forgive him. Uh, um, any th- do you remember that photo well enough, live? I remember it. It hit me about 20 times in the chin. <laughs> I found out I had a good chin. Uh, got that to thank him for anyway. not, not bad from Les either to survive that from 20. Yeah, no, I know. I've got a few in, but uh, Les definitely won the points decision. And um, thoughts on, I guess, why here, thoughts on the current game? You would have seen the changes today. Uh, do you watch a lot of footy? Not really? Yeah, no, now? I do watch footy. Um, I couldn't give a stuff who wins because there's no north in it, so yeah. um, interest level is fairly uh, moderate. But um, I still like the game. I love State of Origin because I can barrack for myself else. But, um, mm. you know, I still enjoy good, good young footy. Yeah. I like watching the good sides. I like watching Melbourne and the Roosters and South and, you know, Manly when they're in good form. Um, yeah, still enjoy e- the game. Easy teams to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, I guess, like we said, the the changes today, the twenty meter, or forty meter field goal, that sort of stuff. Is it just overthinking the game now? Is it? What's a forty meter? Field uh, goal? Two I've points these days. Two points next year if you kick it from forty. Um, That's the, absurd. The, yes. Yeah, so Could you have kicked know. one from forty? I didn't know it, eh? Could you have kicked one from forty? You reckon? I couldn't have kicked one from four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ollie, yeah, you, you're the in your opinion, man. What are the other rule changes today? There. I can't believe they've done that. I didn't know. Uh, couldn't agree more, yeah. So the rule changes. So we've got the two points for a field goal outside the 40. Yep, ridiculous. We've got a six again for a 10-metre infringement. So if you're offside, instead of a penalty, it's a six again to yeah, speed the I game up. I don't mind that. I like, I like this six again rule with yeah. the, um, I think it's changed the, the game for slower the play ball. I thought that was good. Uh, brings different shaped blokes into the game. Um, gets rid of the big 120 kilo guys. Makes them less effective at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I like that. I like that rule, so maybe the um, 10 metre thing is good as well. Yeah. Uh, with scrums, the referee now has to say break before the scrum can break. I mean, that, that it's a rule, but yeah. it's nothing to, I don't think it was necessarily needed. But back in your day, the referee would normally say break anyway, wouldn't he? Back in your day? No. Before the ball was out? No. No. We're no, treading. We're you treading. Were, you, you weren't allowed to. Um, he didn't say anything. But if you if you dive out of the scrum before the ball came out, you get penalised. But there was no warning given. 
That's all right. Yeah. We're treading very close to rugby union territory now, I think, with too many rule changes. Is that, I think that's a concern, is it? Or? Well, I, I, I can't believe... Um, I watch rugby union and I can't believe they stuff a game up so badly with yeah. football. How do you make a game with football so horrible to watch? <laughs> yeah. Um, then, um, yeah, too many rule changes, I think, makes the game you know, harder to officiate and uh, affects the flow of the game. But, you know, like I said, the six, six again rule with the slow signing down to play the ball and stuff is good. Remains to be seen what the uh, 10 metre one ends up like. Yeah. We'll find out. Yep. So, don't uh, you play for North? You yeah. also got to play for Manly. Yeah. But when you're playing for North. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> you, sound, you sound like that's like the highlight of my career. <laughs> 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 Mate. Can you apologise for that now, Travis? <laughs> uh, I didn't want to make it as if it was a highlight of his career. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say the, the battles that you guys would have had. Yeah. Uh, mate, what was some of the most memorable battles that you had uh, playing for either team? Um, all, all my battles. Uh, I've got to admit, the only time I played against Norse was with Manly and we led 32-0 at half-time. Um, and seeing Norse didn't want me the, the for that year, they didn't offer me a contract for 1988 and... Uh, I played in a game against them. We were led 32 and a half time. I was pretty happy about that. But having said that, I've always and always have and always will be a North supporter, and um, I don't really care if Manly win, win or lose. Although I'm sort of lean towards them because I played with Des and um, Tuvi at Manly. So when they were coaching, I like to see them do well. But um, mainly for their sake, not because I'm a Manly supporter, because they're good guys. But um, no, I'm a North boy. North guy. Um, I forget what the question was. Yeah, mate, just up. Uh, okay, when you're playing for North, what was some of your best oh, uh, memorable yeah, yeah. moments? Um, I had a punch up with Terry Randall one day in one of my first first grade games in front of the in front of the uh, the scoreboard at Brookie under the post there. That was 1978. Um, went on for a while. You win. Um, I think I won on points, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terry is tough as nails, but I don't, I don't think he's a fighter. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, he's one of the toughest blokes I've ever played against, but, um, you know, throwing punches is a different matter. Uh, I had a fairly substantial height and reach advantage on him, so <laughs> I scored with a few punches, but anyway, it didn't, didn't affect him at all. I played the rest of the game out. Um, but um, had some great games at Manly. We beat, won, 1979 is probably the worst year Norse ever had when I was playing, and uh, we only won two games, and one of them was against Manly at Brookvale Oval, so that was good. But, um, in 1982, um, we were on the way to the semis, and uh, we beat Manly, who were also in a similar position to us. We gave them a flogging at North Sydney Oval. Uh, one of the best games uh, I can remember between North and Manly. But the thing with North and Manly was um, there was no animosity between the players. It was, it was fans, you know, like Manly fans hated North and North fans hated Manly. But all the North guys got on great with the Manly guys. Like we lived in the same area, went to the same pubs and nightclubs and stuff like that. So you'd see, you know, I'd go down to the, Fanny Adams and Gibbsy would be there and Terry Randall and those guys. And so they were like... They're like mates, you know. Yeah. Um, Ian Thompson really got on well with Ian Thompson. Alan Thompson, great boy, Krillich, played golf with Krillich. So, you know, we all sort of socially connected. But that didn't stop the rivalry on the field, of course. But you know, there was no animosity at all, no hatred. So you bring up North fans and Manly fans. When yeah. you went from North to Manly, did yeah. you receive much backlash from the fans? No. No, no, huh? not at all. I only played at North Sydney once, <laughs> North Sydney Oval once, and that was in a reserve grade game. There's probably about 150 people there, so uh, <laughs> if they had been giving me a bagging, I would have heard them. Yeah, no, 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 one, no, no one said anything. Knowing there was the rivalry, though, did you have other options other than Manly? 
why a manly? Well, yeah, the other option was retirement. <laughs> OK, well... Uh, I, I, I was 33 when I went to Manly. Um, it was funny, it was just a by-chance thing because um, I, Frank Stanton was the coach at North in 87 and um, we didn't really see the eye to eye. He didn't think I could play and I thought he was a dreadful coach, so it was never going to work. And um, anyway... Uh, I retired at the end of the year, North didn't offer me a contract, so anyway, I was down at the Oaks Hotel, ran into Fatty and um, Johnny Gibbs, had a bit of a conversation with him because we you know, play golf together and stuff, and uh, they said, what are you doing next year? And I said, oh, I've retired. And they said, do you want to retire? And I said, you know, don't want to play for Norse again. And uh, he said, give Bozo a ring because Bozo loves you, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I rang Bozo up and he said, come down to training. So I went down to training, trained in the pre-season, got really fit. Played a trial game against South at Brookie. We won, I had a good game, scored a try. They signed me up on some incentive contract. And um, I played the year out with Manly. But um, I started off in first grade. First three games I played good, dislocated my shoulder against Parramatta and uh, being 33 years old it didn't make a great recovery. If I'd have been 23 I probably would have made a better recovery but I was 33 and uh, never was sort of got to that level again where I was at the beginning of the season so I only played about seven first grade games I think and uh, wallowed in reserve grade for the rest of the season. And growing up, who were your idols? Ken Irvine. Yeah. Ken Irvine, yes. North's greatest ever player. Uh, I, I grew up uh, I grew up a North supporter. My other members president of North Leeds Club, former first grade footballer from 36 to 45 or whatever. Uh, 36, 1936, not 36 years old. Uh, 1936 to 45, played in North only grand final, 1943. So he's president of the football club and league club, so I was always going to be a Norse player. And um, I used to, um, and I was quite privileged really, because Norse used to play games at the cricket ground match of the days back in those days. Norse had a good side in the mid-60s. And um, I'd go in the dressing rooms afterwards and the guns and George Room, and he'd introduce me to Reg Gazzer and John Raper and Brian Clay and bloody Kevin Ryan and all those blokes. Back at South, he'd introduce me to Sattler and uh, Neil and Churchill and all those guys, you know. So it was really yeah. privileged. But um, my favourite Norse player in those was always Ken Irvine, probably followed by George Ambram. Loved Lloyd Weir, Ross Warner. Um, they're all dead. Yeah. Right. Did you get to see uh, much of Jim Mills play when he was at North? I did play, yeah. yeah I saw Jim. Uh, great, great bloke. Really, really good bloke. And uh, he um, he played, he came with Roy Francis, I think it was um, 1970 was his first year. Anyway, he played there a couple of years. Um, Roy was coach, wasn't he? Who was that? Roy. Roy Francis was the coach who got him there, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, big, big, uh, big Jim made an uh, impression. Um, he was pretty fast for a big fella and um, had a bit of skill. And uh, he was a monster as well. I caught up with him on the Kangaroo Tour in 1982 at um, Witness. And um, I hadn't seen him for probably 10 or 15 years. Yeah. You know, I was a kid when he was playing for North. I was 15, 16, 17. And... Um, uh, you know, 10, 11 years later, I run into him at Witness oh. and had a couple of years on after. Yeah, he still lives in Witness. He does, yeah. I don't think he lives in Witness. Oh, he not Witness, but not. No, he, live, he, lives, uh, he lives on, looks like, I've seen he's, he's on Facebook. Yeah. I've talked to him on Facebook and stuff like that. He's very active on Facebook. 
and um, I think got a bit of a property um, in the outskirts of um, Lancashire, somewhere. Yeah, around there, yeah. Countryside, yeah. It's a nice place. Goes to Mallorca or somewhere every summer. Yes, that's right, it sure does. Well, winter actually goes there in the winter, I think. Yeah. Next, uh, next cliche question. Well, first of all, you mentioned Bozo. Um, how was the handful of games you played under Bozo? How's he? And uh, who are the best players you played against and, and rate of your era, I suppose? Um, Bozo, uh, Bozo is a very good coach. I was really impressed with him when I was, you know, like yeah. I said, I only played seven or eight games for Manly. But when I first got there, he, he you know, he, he was different than coaches that I had in previous years. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, he gave you good advice about how he wanted to play and stuff like that. Also, he was a very good coach. Yeah. Um, we had a great side, you know, like uh, Dale Shearer and Nick O'Connor, yeah. uh, Noel Cleal, Fatty. Um, Really, really good side. Um, uh, probably should have gone better than they did that year. But yeah. Anyway, um, no, but Bozo was a good coach. They were all good guys. And, um, you know, it was like it was like I'd been there my whole career, actually, because, you know, I knew all the guys anyway, so you go down there and you don't have to make friends with anyone because you already know them all, you know. So it was, it was, when I went to Manny, it was like I'd been there my whole career. Yeah. yeah. And Malin Thompson was a reserve grade coach. Who I really got along well with, and uh, Terry Randall, another good guy who I knew well. He uh, was the under 23s coach, so yeah, comfortable. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll let you get back to it soon. How are you hitting them? How are you hitting them on the golf course at the moment? Uh, no, not very good. I had a double, <laughs> I had a double knee replacement in uh, February, yeah. and uh, I thought I'd come back and slay it, but it's amazing having, having two different knees, how, how it affects your golf game. Uh, you know, things I used to do well, chipping and stuff like that, lost it completely, but it's starting to come back now. Yeah. How's the rest of the body? All right, yeah. yeah that was the only problem I had was my knees, yeah. and um, yeah, they're good as gold. Yeah. Anything else, but, uh, You said the best players I played against. Uh, Wally, oh, Lewis the, Wally Lewis the best player I played against, and he's also the best player I played with, but um, yeah. close behind Steve Rogers, Mick Cronin, um, Price, so many good players in those days. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mate, thanks for your time, Don. Like, we yeah, appreciate right, it. Sir. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on, and I'm yeah. sure uh, we'll stay in contact and we'll get you back on in the future. That'll be lovely. Yeah. Take care, Don. Thank Cheers, you. Don. Welcome back to Footy and Froffies here at Club Redfern. We have Brett Clark here with us, former Dragon, former Western Suburbs Magpie, former St. Helens player, and I believe he spent some time at Oldham as well over in Oldham. England. Yeah, and, and Rochdale. 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 Well, first things first, I want to ask, we hear from players these days who sort of move between the NRL and Super League and talk about how the Super League's a more attacking game and the NRL's more a defensive game. Back in those days, what was the biggest difference between the New South Wales Rugby League and the English First Division? Pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean, most of it in those days, if, uh, if you're playing in the English game, if you won 41-40, it was a good game. Yeah. Whereas if you, in the NRL, it was like, in those days, it was like 6-8. Yeah. It was a great game. So it was more defensive game. Um, whereas in England, it was more of an attacking game. You know, if you scored four tries, you were a hero. Yeah. It's completely different, but I love both of them. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, which style did you enjoy, or you just? I, I enjoyed both of them. I mean, the de- defence-wise, all right. I was a halfback. I didn't really enjoy the defence, yeah. but you had to do it. Yeah. But over there, you just they didn't care. It's a bit different, but it's yeah. I enjoyed both. I enjoyed both games. Yeah, mate. And just living in England, what was that like? What was the English culture? How different was it to over here in Australia? Oh, just completely different. Um, half the time, half the time in England, like I, I didn't have to work, which was good. Okay. So I could get up late and. So were you getting paid 
a fair oh, bit more over there than you were over here. Yeah, you were getting paid. You're basically getting paid to be like these days. You're an a professional footballer. Yeah. So they give you a house, they give you a car, and they give you a um, like a bank balance basically, and you, plus you get paid at the end of every game. You know, we're getting three hundred pound a game, which is like six, seven hundred dollars, and you, you can't spend it. Yeah, you know, a beer, a beer is like sixty p, seventy p. Yeah. So you know, you're putting money in the bank all the time. So it's it's a completely different game over here. You were getting taxed forty nine percent in those days because you had to have a job. And then yeah, you had to, then you had to play. Yeah. Whereas over there, it was just you know, full on. Completely different. And during your uh, yeah, career over here, what, what did you do for a crust on the side? I guess what was your yeah, job? Uh, I fit, basically fitted security doors for a while. Yeah. Uh, with a postman. Which, the postman was good, but it just played havoc with your, it played havoc with your social life because you, you sort of start at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, but most of the time I was just fitting security doors, so I still had the time to train. But over here was mainly Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning. Same in England, it was exactly the same. But now these blokes, they're training six days a week. Yeah. So it's just completely different. Which is obviously why they're getting paid. And I, used to, I remember getting drunk on Friday night and going to training on a Saturday, yeah. parking the car out the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, just, so, just so they had to wake me up to go in. Yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. It's completely different now. Did you train better or worse after a night on the drink? Just train the same. And you just got to, you just got to do it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever trained any worse. I probably played worse in some games, but yeah, probably the same. Yeah, fair enough. So, mate, uh, you played over in St Helens, over in England. Like um, myself and Ollie here, we, we love the English game. Yeah. A lot. I've had a lot to do with the English game myself. Uh, Media-wise, that is. Mate, what was uh, some of your most memorable moments uh, playing in the UK? Probably the, the most memorable moment was obviously playing at um, playing at Wembley. Yep. In front of ninety-eight thousand. Um, meeting Prince Philip was another good one. It was obviously yeah. at the same game. But just, I mean, I played St Helens and even at Oldham. That first year I had at Oldham in the second division. We were the best second division side in the whole comp. We played like 45 games in a year. Yeah. Because you had the Challenge Cup final, you had the um, Lancashire Cup final, yep. then you had the John Player Trophy, trophy. and then you also had the, the, the comp league. games. Yeah, that's right. So you're playing that many games, it's just ridiculous. But it, probably Wembley in front of 98,000, it just takes your breath away. Do you remember who you played against that day? We played Halifax and we got beat 1918. Wow. That was in the Challenge Cup? Challenge Cup final. Gray Meaty and Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson were playing for Halifax. I still have the game at home. I watch it all the time. We just didn't play well. Mate, basically because we were still drunk from the night before. Because <laughs> Alex Murphy was our coach. You love to drink. Oh, Murph. Because they expected us to They expected us to win. Yeah. You know, they had us at... We I think we're two to one on favourites. Yeah, that's right. Halifax were about eight to one, and they ended up winning and scoring the first try. That's right, and, and one, we got nothing. They tried and one, but was what, which we passed his good years. Yeah, but he was still a big footballer and he was still a big body. That's right. He scored a good try. Second half, we came back. 
and we got to within a point of them and Mark Elia over the line dropped the ball to win us the game. Wow. So, but, oh well. That's life. I've yep. played in one. That's all I can say. Yes. Hey, that's right. Not many uh, people can say they get to play at the old Wembley. The old Wembley, exactly. Because there is a big difference between the old Wembley and the new Wembley. The new Wembley's not as... Not as um, not in the folklore that the old Wembley was. That's the old right. Wembley has been there for thousands of years. And playing at that ground was just... You ran out on that ground, and I'm not joking, it took your breath away. Yep. Especially for someone like an Australian bloke who's never played in the final. A lot of those blokes have played in. It just took your breath away. You run out, you're just like, wow. Yeah, because there's just that many people there. That's right, because the only way us Australians knew of Wembley was watching the old FA Cup finals. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, those days they had 100 and 105,000 people. Whereas the, I think the new Wembley's cut, they, I think they cut it down. Yeah, yeah it's close to 80, 000. I think. Yeah, I think it's about um, 80,000. Like yeah, no But yeah. in those days they had up to 110,000. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable. Just that the atmosphere was the best you can get. Plus meeting Prince Philip was pretty special. Yeah. Oh, it would have been. And he was the patron of the rugby league as, at that time. So, no, it's um, it, it was good times. Don't get me wrong. It was the, the, probably the best time of my life was playing at St Helens. Yep. But then going back to play with Oldham was probably one of the best times I've ever had to play at Oldham. So I played second division and then first division. Got to play in a few finals. Won a, won a um, championship final at Old Trafford. Yep. But we got to play at all the old grounds. But yep. you just you would never play it here. Yeah. No, you, know, you, right. play, you play over there and you, you just get to play in a lot of soccer grounds and things like that. I mean, a lot of these have got 100, 200 year histories. And yeah. It's great. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you keep up with the, the UK game first of all? And the last couple of years I haven't. Yeah. Because a lot, of, a lot of the guys I played with have sort of faded out. Yeah. They all faded out. Plus, it's also a summer sport. Yeah, yes. it's gone I'm summer. so used to it being a winter winter's sport yeah. and sort of being different. Yeah. So I just keep forgetting about it. But I've got a few mates over there, so I catch up with a couple of the games. So, yeah, it's not too bad. Well, I'm not sure if you've actually heard, but over the past couple of days, it's actually been heavily reported that the NRL are in talks to buy 50% of the Super League over there. What are your thoughts on that? I, to me, I think that should be all. it should be all-encompassing. Yep. Because when you really think about it, there's probably three three teams, which is Australia, New Zealand and Great Britain. The other ones are sort of a bit lax. Yeah. So if, if all those three could sort of come together and under one banner, have their competitions and then you, you, you're going to get better sides. That's yeah. right. In the, Eng, the English League at the moment, all the Australian teams go over there, they'll fight for 40, 50 minutes and then after 50 minutes they'll just die. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're, they're, they're based on attack. The Australian, they'll just tackle all day. Yeah, we'll tackle all day. And that's what it is. Attitude. Mate, just with that, what we touched on the game at the moment over there, summer, uh, did you ever, at the times, like, play here, finish the season here, then go over? I did that at St Helens. Yep. I, I played here until, I think I left in August. I missed one game at St Helens and then played the next week. And then I played all the way through until March when I came back. Yep. And then I played, I think I played four or five games for West and then went back over to play in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. And so it's just basically two years of footy. No, that's right. And how, how was it uh, playing under Murph at St Helens? I'll put it this way. Murph's not the best coach in the world. Pretty much drunk most of the time. <laughs> 
But his his number two was Clive Griffiths, yep. who ended up coaching Warrington to a premiership final. A lovely, great coach, lovely bloke. But Murph, Murph on the day of the game was great. Yep. Just at training was a bit. He was always drunk because he had that. He was doing the fruit machines, yep. so oh. he was in the pub every day. Yeah, yeah so for, for our viewers <laughs> and listeners, fruities. the fruities is what we know as the poker machines. Poker, same type of thing, yeah. That's right. He was in the pubs every day, having dinner, having lunch, whatever. So he'd turn up a train and just leave it to, to Clive. Maybe that's what, <laughs> sorry to interrupt, maybe that's what they need over in England these days to get them closer to the NRL. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you think the game should go back to winter? Over there? It's hard, it's hard to say. It's it's better in summer yep. because you don't get the ground. Because yeah. When I was playing in winter, you know, we had games that were just called off because it was so hard. Like, it's hard as this table. Yeah. So you just got to fight it all. And then, you, then you're trying to fit in more games on a Wednesday and a Saturday and yep. a Sunday. So it's, it's hard It's hard to say. I'd, I'd like to see it in winter because I think it would be a harder game for the forwards because yep. yeah. you got the slog. But then again, I'd like to see it in summer because at least then you've got the, hard, the harder grounds and it's better for the back. Fair so period, yeah. it's six or one half down to the other. Yeah. But um, to me, I prefer the winner. I love it. Uh, definitely, we all have a winner. But at the moment, like, if you have an experience like uh, being in England during their summer, it's probably like our winter anyway. Yeah, well, so. half the time it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And they, you sort of think in, in summer, half the time they play at night anyway. That's right. Until it gets, when it gets cooler. Yeah, that's right. But then again, you're playing in winter, you're playing in like minus five degrees. Yeah. So you're just like, what do you do? It snows, just play on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mate, um, some of the best players you got to play with? Um, uh, St Helens, uh, Neil Holding, Andy Platt, uh, Paul Lachlan, who ended up being a legend in, in Great Britain. Um, some Australian players, Phil Beavers yeah. was another one. Um, I think he's still over there. He's still over there now. Um, at Oldham, I played with a lot of the blokes from Helens, like Paul Round, um, Johnny Cogger, yep, another one Johnny who Cogger, was yep. who was probably more reserve grade. He played a bit of first grade, but he was over there. Um, John uh, John Peelhouse played with Great Britain and. So just, there's a lot of blokes. I played with Cavill Hugh and Mike Kiwiti at, yep. at, at Rochdale. So just all different players I've played with or against. Tawera Nickow was another one I played yeah. against. Uh, he would have only been young at the time. He was only young. Him and um, Blackmore. Yep. Um, but you, you, like I played against Lee Crooks and Gary Schofield and all your Ellery Hanleys. Well, you, the Wigan side. Yeah. You know, you look through that side and you just, you, you've got... 15 blokes there that can that can play first grade any side in the world. Yeah, yeah that's right. And they all I was being played against all of them. Yeah. So I just I, I, I actually got, I was lucky to be able to play against all these blokes over there. But a lot of these blokes I played with in Australia as well. So and they're all good mates and they always will be. That's it. Let's come back to Australia now. Yeah. Okay. Played up west. What's some of the best battles that you had uh, against any opposition? To be honest, the best battles we had were the Parramatta or Manly. Uh, I think I don't think Parramatta ever won at Lidcombe Oval. I think Manly struggled at Lidcombe Oval. I think 86, we beat Manly, Parramatta and the Bulldogs all at Lidcombe Oval. We beat all three of them. But we couldn't, we couldn't beat 
sides like Illawarra and yeah. Canberra and but we, all the big sides we built ourselves up. Yep. The little sides you just went out and played and just sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Have a look at most of the sides today. They're exactly the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Have a look at West Tigers. No, that's what I mean. No, no. He's a he's a West Tigers tragic. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you get yeah, up the Titans and you go up the Titans, you beat them and bring yeah. them down here and they flog yeah. you by fifty. Yeah, yeah. And all your Marauders Titans. Titans man. <laughs> Um, oh, it's ridiculous. So How about the, Melbourne? Another one's oh. yeah, West Tigers have got a good record over Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. They do. Every, they yeah. They're up for that one. Um, the modern game, what's your take? You're still playing. You're still running around? I still play Masters. Yep. How's the body holding up and how are you going? Um, the body's going all right. I had a stroke three, uh, four weeks ago. Oh, wow. You're looking well. Yeah, it's, well, it's only a mild, a mild yeah. one, but I had to stop playing for a, a yeah. little while. But I still, I still play. I play up the Gold Coast and all that. But yeah. hopefully next year that'll all start again. Yep. But the modern game, to be honest, I hate it. Yeah. It's it actually this year it's got better because I think with the, the six again rule it's a, and it's the, quickened um, back up, trying yeah. to get the blokes back at, at ten meters and yeah. all that, it's quick and it's it's made halfbacks come back in the game. Yeah. Whereas three or four years ago, yeah. halfbacks were dead. Yeah. You know, like I played, I was sixty-five kilos. Yeah. You look at the blokes like Mark Shulman, they're all sixty kilos. All the halfbacks are all that size. You go into the game now, the halfbacks are all 100 kilo. Yeah. So they're not halfbacks. That's they, right. They can't run. They can't yeah. do this. You got to be. You, there was a period, and and it's starting to evolve. We had to be able to tackle like a lock yeah. to play half. We had to be, the, yeah. You have a look at the the one player that was probably the the, the probably the, the what do they call him the body yeah. of the, the game yeah. was Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. yeah. If you all look like Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. If you had 13 of them or 15 of them, you win the game. That's yeah. right. Whereas now the halfbacks are getting shorter. Yeah. They're getting quicker. And the same with the five eights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But every, everyone And I think the evolution, next evolution will be the, the mobile forward. I think the mobile lock now, we're yeah. back in the game. We've talked yeah. about Connor Watson, that's those sort of yeah. playing, yeah. playing that, lock. That's the problem. These, yeah. In the old days, they never had it. Yeah, it yeah. It was just take the ball up, take the ball up, take the ball up, kick it. And then he just, they do exactly the same thing. Yeah, 100%. And the only time they score a try is off a kick. Yeah. But now, the tries are starting to come off bloke playing the ball. Yeah. Playing what's in front. You play, Being crafty. I mean, most halfbacks never played what's in front of them. They were too afraid to do yeah. it. That's right. But these days, halfbacks are having a look and having a go. And we've that's seen... What, uh, that's what they need. We've seen Georgie Williams, Georgie Pye yeah. does with yeah. blokes like that are now, yeah, playing eyes up footy, to use your term. And it's been good. Uh, and then uh, it brings centres back in. It brings the strike centre back in because exactly. they can now yeah. use their footwork as well. So I think last year was a tremendous improvement. I enjoyed it. hell of a lot of it. And they need, they need a bit more improvement. Yeah. Because I think you... Did you see the update today? Yeah. I, the, I think... Trying too hard now or you... No, I, I think the field goal from 40 metres out... Yeah. ...is going to give blokes... Something. ...something to do. Uh, most of the other rules are okay. Yeah. There's nothing too major. Um, I think just they have they have to have the scrums. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, but they have to have the forwards in the scrums. Yeah. They have to nominate the six forwards, and they have to go in the scrum. Yeah, yeah that's right. I believe Every that's a new rule, isn't it? Because yeah. these yeah. days, you know, you have to look at the back line, and they're all forwards, second rowers, yeah. front rowers. Yeah. So how are the backs supposed to score? They that's can't. Right. Yeah. You put the backs in the backs, the forwards in the forwards, leave them there, and you get you, you get, get the, some attacking the, footy. The attacking some, players yeah. are actually playing footy. Yeah. Which exactly. Is the best thing is brought in. That's, that's to me. That's what we used to do. Yeah. You put the forwards in the scrum, and he, that's the only chance we had to, to attack really. 
Yeah. So leave it like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so these days when you do watch the footy, do you, do you have a team or are you just happy to watch? I'm, a, I'm a West Tiger West? supporter. Good man, yeah, fantastic. Oh, so I was a Western Suburbs supporter. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Shut up. <laughs> just because you're a Tiger. I'll hit him on the way home, don't I? Betty had to be walking home, I'm, so that's right. I, I actually, I'm a West Tiger supporter yeah. now because of Western Suburbs. And so growing up, were you Wests and came I was, all, I was always West. Yep, yeah. Because I played with Enfield Federals, who was yep. at Black and White, so I've always gone up through it. Yeah. Um, but when I went to St George, I, I sort of supported. I still support St George a bit. Yeah. Unless they play West. Yeah. But um, I, I just love my footy. I could watch footy every day, all day. I watch old games of mine in yep. England and stuff like that. So I, I'm just a footy. Are they um, are they VCR jobs? Are they? No, no. You've got them on DVD. DVDs, yet? but I can't. I'm trying to put them onto a hard drive now. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> we we could probably might be able to sort something out. We'll we'll sort something out. <laughs> Uh, I'm working on that. That's next. But, um, yeah, make life much easier. Yeah. But, um, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I agree. And um, good West, man. Oh, oh easy. Did, mate. I've, I've loved West from my from childhood. Yeah. So just to get the chance to play with them, was, for me, was great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to do what I did. All right, I didn't reach the heights of some people. I could have. I didn't play for Australia. I yeah. got to play against them, which yeah. was one good thing. <laughs> yeah. Was that in one of the tour games? That was one of the tour games when I played with St Helens. They put their, their test side out against us. We lost 34-8, I think. I think we scored a try. Yeah. But just to play against them was great. But I've got, I made some great friends out of, out of footy. I've made some great friends outside of the game who have still played. I'm still making great friends now for blokes that are playing Masters. Yeah. So to me, how's that community? Tell us a bit about that. So is that that you fly around to do that, or is it all Sydney based? Is it most of it Sydney based? Yeah. But in February and October, we play in, we play up in um, the Gold Coast. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. We have teams from all over Australia. We have teams from New Zealand turn up. Yeah. I played Masters Rugby Union as well when I was in Perth. Yeah. So we had teams from. Um, Asia, we had teams from America, New Zealand, um, Argentina, Ireland. We had all teams come over. So you got to, that's the good thing about it. You get to meet new people and yeah. carry on. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I can't, I can't let go without asking thoughts on what Madge has done for the coming season. Are we on the right track yet? What's going on? I think we've got the best back line that we can get. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about Dewey at 5 8, but. I think it's better than Dewey at fullback. Yeah. My... Well, he's not the best fullback in the world. No, no. But no. the problem is, he's, his size is good. He's not a bad left, he's not a bad centre, but. He's, yeah. a bit, he's a bit slow. Yeah. I, I, got, I was pushing Corey Allen. We should, yeah, we've, got two good, we've got two good centres. Yeah. Two good wingers. We're trying to buy Mansour at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, you could always put Dewey back at fullback yeah. and bring in M. So, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. good. Two good props. Yeah. A good hooker. And we've got quite a few backups. So, as long as we don't get injuries, there's I hope. I, I think there's a good chance hope. of making the eight. Yeah, there's hope. If, so. we, if we get injuries, I think we're stuffed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Standard. Because <laughs> we ain't got much in reserve. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Mate, and just a quick question. Uh, what's your thoughts on the book? I love the book. I've seen, I seen the book probably two weeks ago because a friend of mine is a friend of the publisher. Yeah. So he showed me the book. I didn't look right through it. Yeah. But the book's amazing. I've just bought. I've just bought a copy for Gavin Miller, who used to play with yeah, Cronulla, and yeah. yep. these. I bought him a copy, and a bloke named Gary O'Donnell, who played with the Roosters, yep. he wants a copy as well. So I bought a couple of copies for them. They've looked through it, and the book itself is amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't seen anything better than that for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read Dan's books. I've got Dan's one at home. Look, 
Luckily, my, mine was in the last one. There won't be in any more. <laughs> but, I mean, his second one's another one that comes yeah. out soon. But he's the, the same thing with the second book that comes out. But it's going to be great. Yeah. You know, all these books, that they're, they're bringing together all the 80s and 90s. It's awesome. That people forget about it. But I, I've, I've got some young young kids that are in their 15s and 16s. They've got no idea who I am. Yeah. Whereas you've got blokes, their dads that know more Mate. about me than what, what their kids do. Mate, I, I won't name the, the player, yeah. but I used to be the media manager for the reserve grade team for Manly. And one night at the presentation night, a certain player got an award for playing reserve grade. And Spud Carroll went up to this player and said basically said to him, mate, you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll play first grade. Well, afterwards, this player came back over to myself and a few other people and we said, oh, what did he say to you? And he told us. And this one player turns around to us and goes, who was he? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a bloke you don't want. Right. And, and then, like, I, like, I've just turned around and said, mate, that was Mark Carroll, like, one of the best front rounds of all games. Yeah. But then, like, it hit me because one of my other mates turned around and said, you've got to understand, this day and age, they pay for the business, not for the love of the game. Exactly. Then again, I'm 20 and I know who Spud Carroll is. Yeah, like, yeah. I know that. Yeah, but you like you like your football. Yeah. I do like my yeah. football. You love it. You get, that's what I mean. You get the kids these days, they just follow one team. They follow the Bulldogs. Yeah. And they only know that team. Yeah. They don't know anything about, they don't know the history, they don't know anything about the game. And what, and what we find even in doing this, a lot of them don't even watch the game anyway. So that's, yeah, they, 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 they just ran, ran about it on social media. But thank you so much for giving us uh, some of your time tonight. No problem, um, anytime. Maybe all we'll the best going forward. Hopefully you're back on the field uh, next year and backfiring at the Masters. Well, hopefully, but, yeah. Um, it's it may be great to get you back on in the future. Anytime you want, boys. Mate. Like, uh, we appreciate that. it. Not a but, problem at all. Fantastic. Take care. Thanks a lot, Rick. Not a problem. Cheers, guys. Welcome back to Club Red Fern at the league on Sunday. Work on Mondays. Now we're joined by former West... Book launch. Yeah, the book launch. Yeah. Sorry. Now we're joined by <laughs> former West Magpies uh, hooker, Alan Farr. How are you today, Al? You're good, mate. Really good. That's uh, good, man. How you find the event? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, the, the, the title of the book says it all. You know, you just—it's a type of thing. You'd, if you're walking past a bookstore, you'd see that, and you want to grab it and have a look and see what's inside. Man, what was your occupation when you were playing? Uh, school teacher. School teacher. Uh, in, in fact, that—that uh, that was always my priority when I was playing uh, uh, football. Um, uh, all, all through uh, uni, um, uh, main focus was getting through uni and and uh, getting my degree and and uh, you know getting a job. So um, I was actually training with Souths in the pre-season in uh, 1982, I think it was. Uh, uh, Bill Anderson was a coach. And, um, yeah, I, was, I remember being at Redfern Oval and, and uh, pre-season training and I was I was going to sign with Souths. And um, uh, back in those days, they, you got a telegram telling you where you, your yep. first posting was. And, uh, and uh, I got my telegram. It said, you, you've been sent, sent to Oberon. Oh, and I, wow. thought, I thought, where the bloody hell is over on? <laughs> Mate, you can uh, swear on here, it's all right. Oh, okay. Was well, that straight, what, straight from the Department of Ed just said you're out there? Or? Yeah, well, uh, they, uh, I was actually, um, I got the telegram after I got the phone, I got a phone call first, then the telegram was the official part. Yeah. But when the when the lady rang me up and said, you, you're going to Oberon, I went, where the fuck's Oberon? Yeah. And I, uh, she said, oh, it's out west near Bathurst. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. I said, oh, can I, can I just give you a few, uh, can you, Give me a few days, and said, "Well, yeah, 
you've got to make a decision. Like you know, otherwise, you lose the spot. Uh, so the next next day, next day, I went to the training and saw Bill Anderson, who was an ex-teacher himself. Yeah. And uh, and at those days, it was you know hard to get a job as a teacher, like a full-time job. And he said, "Look, mate, just take the job, and, and we'll try and get you back here as as uh, you know as soon as we can." Yeah. So I, I took up the job at at Oberon High School out out near Bathurst, and obviously, um, you know, I couldn't play footy with them that year. Um, Did you play country footy? Yeah, no, group, I, I, I played whatever. with the Abron Tigers. With the Abron yeah. Tigers in Group 10. In Group 10, I was a player coach. Yep. Yeah. At, uh, you know, at a tender young age. and uh, Yeah, so it was, it was good fun, but it was tough footy. So how's think. country footy? Uh, they don't mind dig, uh, dropping a few in and that sort of thing? Oh, or? yeah, it was terrible. I mean, like, I, I used to get smashed uh, like yeah. big time. Um, uh, you'd, be, you'd, you'd pass the ball and 30 seconds later someone would smash you in the head yeah. and... Um, it was tough footy, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. But um, and, uh, unfortunately, the following year, uh, I think Bill got sacked from South. So I don't know, it wasn't there anyway. So I, I was stuck there another year. And then uh, I, was, I played for Country, which was good. Yeah. Uh, that was a. Uh, was, uh, I played for Group Ten and Western Division and yep. that sort of stuff. And uh, it was just a different lifestyle in the country. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed it. But um, obviously, yeah, it takes it back. What would have liked to have been playing, you know, first grade footy in Sydney. That's that was a big, my, always my dream. Yeah, uh, never got to do it until you know much later. So, uh, what, what, what yeah. got you back to Sydney? Like, how did that all come about? Oh well, I was, I was just lucky that, um, like I said, I, I, I played for country. I was I was really desperate to go back to Sydney, and I just um, I'm not sure whether West pulled a few strings for me or what happened, but um, I ended up. Uh, um, a job came up at Canterbury Boys High School. They wanted a, someone who could coach rugby league, who could speak a second language, and I, and I could speak a bit of Lebanese, not very much, yeah. but I could speak a bit of Lebanese. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I bullshitted a bit on my yeah. application. <laughs> oh, yeah, very fluent. And, uh, <laughs> so the, uh, in a school that was, had a lot of ethnic kids there, and yeah. uh, they, they, I was a perfect fit. So I, I was lucky that um, not only did I get to teach at a school in Sydney, but it was close, not far from, uh, you know, Lincoln Oval, where West were playing at. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the kids were West supporters, you know, even though it was a Canterbury Boys High School, it was actually Western Suburb School. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a ball. It was fantastic. I, like the, the, so I got to, I mean, like, saying I didn't enjoy Oberon, I loved that, the, kid, the school, the kids, you know, the, the town. It was a great town. I, I mean, like, uh, uh, you make a lot of friends who I still have friends with now. Yeah. Um, even after I left Oberon, uh, I remember being at West for a while and I remember telling Rick Wade there's a lot of young young uh, footy players in Oberon who were you know guns you know they'd, they'd go really well in Sydney and he ended up signing a few of them yeah. uh, Doug Rawlings who was a 5'8 uh, he was a young fellow and he came out he ended up playing a lot of first grade at West yeah. a lot of other and now it's, a, now it's a massive feeder for Penrith I guess or yeah that's all they're at 10 yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice rugby league town. Yeah. It's only a small town, but they always punch above their weight. Yeah. And uh, I remember that uh, it's only when you're in a town, you realise the history behind the place. And uh, uh, Oberon won 10 premierships in a row, you know, and they had players in that. And in those days, back in the 50s and 60s, players that would represent Australia from the country. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. like it is these days where, you, unless you're playing in the NRL, you're not going yeah. to get a look in, are you? Because, like, you probably were one of the last to represent country from the country not actually playing in Sydney or playing in the major competition you would have been one of the last am yeah. I right in saying that? Uh, I, I don't think I know but, but the, what was different about me I guess was that most guys tend to play in the in the city and they, and they finish their career and they, they finish their career in the country 
but I guess I, I, I was the reverse. I, I was playing in the country at a young age, and um, so I, I didn't run on from my first first grade game till I was about 25, yep. which is unusual, I guess, these days. Yeah. If, you, if you're not in first grade by the time you're 21, you're probably not going to make yeah. it. You know? Yeah, or well, even in the top 30, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, being in, a, in an old squad, it's pretty rare to do that. But I guess the, the time's changed. These days, kids are targeted at a very young age. You know, 15, 16-year-olds are uh, recruited up, from yeah. country or whatever and set up in the, in the systems. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. They've got uh, scouts in every club's got scouts everywhere and they get kids from everywhere, you know, New Zealand, New South Wales country, Queensland country. Yeah. That's uh, it, yeah. yeah. Ollie, Ollie's gagging for a question. Yeah. So you said you could speak a little bit of Lebanese. <laughs> can you give us, <laughs> give us a line? Uh, well, I, I, I can swear in just about, I can swear in quite a few languages now. Like I said, when I was at Canterbury Boys, uh, we had, the, the, I, can, I can swear in Greek, I can swear in uh, obviously Lebanese. They, they had uh, a lot of Islanders boys there. I mean, they were great kids. You know, like uh, a lot of them were pretty rough, rough kids. I mean, like, I remember one How time. Was, uh, what, were you, what were you teaching at Sydney uh, at uh, Canterbury Boys? What, what was I teaching? Yeah, yeah. Uh, money PE. Yeah, yeah. Was, was there an element of um, if you played the Sunday and did you come in? Oh, so what was that yesterday? Or oh yeah, all it? the time. But yeah. the, kids, the kids, some of the kids had come to the games. Yeah. There was one game. I think it was the Panasonic Cup game. We played at um, Leichhardt. That's you know, they're, they're, you know, those midweek games. Yeah, midweek game, yep. I remember uh, we, we'd beaten. Um, I think we'd beaten Penrith or, I can't remember if it was Penrith or Balmain, we beat him in a quarter-final, so you know, it was unusual for West to, we were going not so good in the, in the competition, but we yeah. were going really well in the Panasonic Cup, and, and uh, you know, there was crowds come on the field in, that, in those days, kids would run on the field, anyway, I, I remember getting cheered off the field, it was by all the Canterbury boys were cheering me off the field, <laughs> <laughs> amazing, you know, most, most of the boys I'd coached at footy and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, no, the boys give you a hard time if you've, if you've you know, a lot of them were uh, West supporters, there were Canterbury supporters, they support, you know, rugby, yeah. league, rugby league supporters, basically. Yeah. But they always give you a hard time. But back in those days, you, you'd be knocked around a lot after a, playing a game of footy. I could barely walk on a Monday. But yeah. uh, you'd always go to work, you know, you'd turn up at work and you'd be limping around a bit and a bit ginger, but you'd be right by the end of the week and ready to go again. Yeah, it's funny, the, the divide, because I've, I've done some work at schools through St. John Vianney all the way through to, like, Croydon and um, stuff like that that and it's literally if you have a footy day it's 50% blue and white and 50% black and gold and that, and that's all you get and maybe some uh, dragons you might yeah. get like three red jerseys in between but it is a massive footy I guess underappreciated the inner west of just the strength of the rugby league in the, in the community yeah well, well I mean I, I've uh, I, I now I'm living in the Sutherland Shire so yeah. I, uh, the schools I teach at uh, mainly uh, at Mia High School and Endeavour okay. Sports High School yeah. they're all Cronulla or St George you know, that basically yeah. it. so um, so I, I was waiting until West had a win and yeah. then I'll wear, I'll wear a West polo or a West cap you know <laughs> yep. to, to, yeah. to remind them you know, yeah we'll say well, I've yeah, been to Bangor as well same thing so it's, uh, <laughs> sharks so sharks Mate, so uh, we'll, we'll go back to yeah, playing up West who were some of your most better teammates or memorable teammates that you enjoyed playing with oh, I know the common question or common answer would be oh you enjoyed playing with most because you don't upset anyone but was there anyone especially that you really enjoyed playing with though um, yeah, well, it's true because you, you do. I, I know that's a stock answer that, you, that there's. I have very few teammates I didn't like, you know, didn't enjoy hanging around with it because rugby league. Uh, and that era, club, I suppose, is it's much more of a, a brotherhood. You play for West, you play for West. It's not so much now where uh, I'm, I'm on. A, I'm off for 800 next year, see boys. Like it's yeah, you, know, it's, you, you yeah. dug in and you did what you did. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, like 
obviously we weren't full-time players in those days, yeah. but you still trained yeah. together most nights of the week. You, you barely had a night off. Yeah. You know, like uh, you, you might have Monday night, Monday night off, but you had to do your own recovery stuff. But you usually train Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and then um, sometimes you'd, you'd, they'd throw in extra trainings before that. Um, and, and, and because you only trained not every night, those they were usually long sessions. Like you wouldn't just train for an hour. You'd, you'd, you'd have to do your. You might be there for three hours uh, on some nights. You know, two to three hours, which is, was quite common. But um, yeah, as far as uh, favourite players, I mean, like uh, yeah, I, I used to knock around with. Each year you'd sort of be different. But um, now I'd knock around. When I first started at West. Uh, um, I didn't really know anyone that well because uh, being being a first t- time in the club and but uh, yeah and also the fact that I missed most of that first season with a bad knee injury and um, so yeah I started the season in reserve <coughs> and I remember um, uh, Dallas Donnelly it was, it was yeah, his Dallas. last year huh? and I remember Dallas uh, he, he gave me my nickname because everyone used to call me noisy so only because the first time I was in the dressing room I didn't know anyone I'm standing there everyone's chatting away. And Dallas just come up to me and called me noisy. Yeah. And and obviously a big guy like Dallas, everyone's going to assume that you know, whatever he says goes. So when he called me noisy, everyone just assumed well that must be his nickname. Yeah. So that became my nickname. It stuck. So uh, that was the very first time I was at the at the club. But yeah, now um, uh, you know, uh, each year I, I had different guys that were. I was closer to, but uh, I, I'm just trying to think which which guys that I, I, I wasn't that I that I hung out with the most. But I, we were always do, doing stuff together. Um, early on, I guess folks like uh, uh, Trevor Cogger, um, you know Brett Clark, who's here tonight. He's uh, I used to uh, hang out with him quite a bit. Uh, Brig Bruiser Clark, he was a good bloke. Um, and then obviously I was in the era where West. Uh, were at Lidcombe Oval and then uh, in 87 we moved to Campbelltown yep. and that's when and things changed a lot then not a, not a lot of guys a lot of new players came in and obviously things changed with new coaches yep. we had uh, we had a big turnover of coaches and I was lucky that you know West had been, you know all the good guys the, the coaches were, Ken General was my first coach he was a great guy yes. Did a lot of, he put a lot yeah, of work Ken. in with very limited resources I was punched above our weight you know you we rarely got, um, we, we, we basically a team of, of sort of leftover players, we still managed to be competitive and we pushed most teams in every game. Yeah. Just with that, mate, how was it playing with Lee Crooks? Oh, mate, great player. Great great guy too. He's, he was only about 21 when he when he turned up and just couldn't get over how his ball skills, he had fantastic ball skills and, um, and boy, he could kick, kick a goal too. Like, you know... Um, I still remember one game at, at, uh, in, the, in the rain at, um, at Lidcombe Oval. We played St George, and um, I'm just trying to think whether he. I'm pretty sure he either kicked a, he kicked a, a goal from halfway uh, in the red. And uh, like back in those days, it was just uh, you know the ball was a lot heavier. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that was still a leather ball in those days, and uh, it was just amazed how how he could kick a ball from anywhere basically. Yeah. But yeah, he had amazing ball skills, and uh, only thing he was with, with Lee. Um, when he first started, you know, when he first started, he's got that northern accent. You could bet. <laughs> I still remember uh, uh, one of the first games we played with him. He, with a, that, we, I can't remember who it was against, but I remember we got a try scored against us, and it was a soft try, and we all get, got behind the goalpost, and he just let, let everyone fly, let it fly with. Uh, and, I, and to this day, I don't know what he said because it was just a broad <laughs> Yorkshire accent, and and, uh, and he just just lost it, and the rest of the few of us looked at each other and go, "What the fuck did he just say?" <laughs> 
but uh, we got used to him, and, and he actually ended up captaining the side as well. So, yeah. he, he, you know, but he was a good guy, you know. He was really, and I still stay in touch with him these yeah, days. Great guy, Crooksy. Yeah, he's been over. He's been over to, back to Australia a few times, and you know, uh, yeah, I think he's one of those guys. You know, he's a bit of a legend, and being at any club, he'd be. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he's definitely a he's got folklore at West. Yeah, definitely, mate. And uh, you also got to play with Ellery Hanley at West as well. Yeah, uh, Ellery was one of the best players I've ever played with. He was just one of those complete footballers. He could, he could break a tackle. He could, he could get offload a ball. He had speed. He had strength. You know, he just had everything. I, I think he's one of those guys that would, in in today's football, would, would would be still just as good, if not better, than most of the guys going around because he's got that natural talent. Yeah. natural ability like, as well as physical physical strength and yeah. speed and so like earlier on uh, this year we, we did a show where we uh, got to pick our greatest uh, team and I, I believe I picked Ellery as my greatest lock of all time that, that, well, I, that wouldn't surprise me because like I said uh, best one of the best footballers I've played with or against you know like, um, he's just a fantastic player yeah just did everything the, uh, the the role of the hooker, I guess, um, from where you came through in, in the 80s, uh, I suppose you're probably a little bit in... Was there a bit of a Noel Kelly shadow over the club, or was it not really? Or Oh, no. Mate, look, well, West of Oz had pretty good hookers, and it was a, um, and, and, and Noel Kelly, obviously, is a legend. Yeah. One of my biggest thrills ever was getting to meet him. At, yeah. you know, when you go to the reunions, you get to meet the players that you idolised when you were younger. And uh, there were guys that were just not much old, uh, older than me that I, I got to meet, and, and uh, but you know, blacks like Shane Day and, yeah. and and John Purcell and Jack Jeffries. But it, I, I still haven't. Uh, he's, he's the only hooker I really want to meet that I've never met. Who's that? Oh, Jack Jeffries. Uh, Jack Jeffries. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Mounia. He's a top bloke yeah. and a good, a tough, bloody tough as nails. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the role of hookers changed a lot, obviously, yeah. since since those days. The, the second half of the question, I guess, would be um, who were your best? Who were your big tangles with? Was it sort of Benny or was it? Uh, oh, Benny later. But yeah. early on, I was folks like um, you know, there was there was a lot. I was unlucky. There was a lot of so many good hookers around. Yeah. But uh, you know, blokes like uh, obviously Jeff. Uh, sorry, Jeff um, Mario. Mario, Fe- Mario yeah, Fennick. Yeah, yeah he, he was he was a tough. You know, he's the toughest guy, and he and he's a dirty, filthy player. Yeah. But <laughs> off the field, he's the nicest guy ever. Get what I meet, you know. Yeah. And uh, great, great guy. Um, you know, uh, remember Manly had a guy named Mal Cochran. He was a bloody good yeah. Roy Simmons at Penrith is yeah. a fantastic hooker, great dummy half. Um, yeah, Benny obviously was a, uh, he was just a, he was just a next level. He, he could, while I, you know, he could, uh, the role changes at, at hooker um, over the, yeah, towards yeah. the end of the 80s because uh, winning the ball was the main option because yeah. uh, scrums were competitive. So uh, that was your main job to make sure you yeah. win the scrums and then obviously the, being a good dummy half. Uh, plugging the middle, making sure you're good defensively. Um, so uh, as as the, uh, the, the scrummaging became less important, you had to have to take more of a charge in the uh, in uh, controlling the rucks and and and, and, and defensively as well. Yeah. So but then um, uh, I think I think if if I was starting out now again, I, I probably wouldn't be a hooker because the, the roles change. I'd probably end up being a locker or a second rower because yeah. um, the, the scrummaging part of it, which is the main part of my yeah. game, had, had changed a lot. Yeah. So I was, I was just lucky. I was also a good, you know, good defender and I could set up yeah. attack and that sort of stuff. Any questions before I get into the West questions? Or? Yeah, well, <laughs> Noel Kelly, arguably the greatest magpie of all time. Uh, through my work, I had the privilege of actually writing a biography about him once he unfortunately passed earlier this year. 
are there any Noel Kelly stories you can tell us or what was your relationship with him? Maybe just a story about an interaction you had with him because you said you got to meet him. Obviously, that same position at the Magpies. What's that meeting like between Alan Fowler and Noel Kelly? Oh well, obviously I'm I'm, I'm in awe of a guy like like him. So the, the first time I met him, I could barely say a word. But uh, uh, you know, most of the stories that that, that, that uh, he won't. He, most of the stories I've heard about Noel from other people, but he's. But he's the type of guy that, uh, you know, up until uh, uh, last year was uh, when he when we last went to a, 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 a get together, um, he was he was always the first one to stand up and you know with the, sing the, the club song, you know, he, like you know, you blokes would be you know be half hard or whatever. He'd have a few drinks. He, he was just tough as nails, you know. Like I, I'm just glad I didn't have to play against him, yeah. at, you know, at his peak because I, he's one of those. I've never been scared of another player, but I think if I was in that era playing against Noel Kelly, I would. To shit myself. Yeah. You know, I'd <laughs> having to play against someone like that because yep. he was just tough as nails. He, he just he'd put his head where people wouldn't put their foot. You know, he was just uh, awesome individual, but a top guy as well. You know, like you know, you, you talk about rugby league, you know, role models and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but he was he was a he would, he would always be a, the a best club man ever. He'd always be want to be there to, to support his players. He'd he'd, 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 be, he'd turn up when there were sick players or sick people. He'd be there. He'd be one of the first ones to go and visit them and do stuff like that. He was, he was always, uh, you know, uh, one of those one of those guys who would be a, a, a beacon, you know, to what you'd want to be like if you were going to be an NRL player or, you know. I mean, a lot of guys these days in the modern game do that sort of stuff, but it's unfortunate that with the, uh, the way publicity is in the, in the media, uh, there's no there's no headlines in players visiting, That's right. you know, That's doing right. stuff or, go, or coming, going out of the ordinary, just yeah. things, helping people, which is the majority of the NRL players. Yep. But you get a, a dickhead every now and then just spoils it for everyone else. And, uh, and then and that's they, what everyone they get a bad reputation. On. Yeah, and they, and they get a bad reputation. So, you know, um, I'm sure there are a lot of Noel Kellys out there, but you know, but he's a special one, you know. He, yeah. you know but, you know, like West were lucky. They had so many great players over the Can years. Can about Tommy? About, yeah, well, Tommy's one of those. Like, he's yeah. just an icon. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, when you think of West, you think of blokes like Noel Kelly, but yeah. you also, when you, as you get towards the, uh, the you know, the, the, the 70s and 80s, uh, you, you start to think of Tommy. Um, yeah, I mean, way to half of the 70s and 80s, it's Dallas, who you yeah. mentioned already. Yeah, now, well, yeah, well, obviously, but the thing was with uh, with Tommy, he was just, uh, it was always at the, t- at the top of his game. He, he was, he, he was a very, he was just a competitor, you know, he, he always wanted to be the best. And um, uh, and if, whether it's uh, uh, play, uh, play, out playing his opposite number to making sure his team were uh, on top of other teams, you know, and uh, I'm not sure what the stats are for West's uh, uh, win rate, but when Tommy was playing, I, I guarantee it was much, very high. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he hated losing as a player. And where's your heart line now? So you're a West man through and through. You, do you still follow the Tigers? Uh, you drifted out I of the still, game. Well, well, you know what? Um, I, I still follow West. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's still my club. Um, I still follow the West Magpies because I. Uh, uh, West uh, Reserve Grade side is yep. the West Magpies. And they're on Massey Cup. And Massey Cup, and they're going back to Lidcombe Oval yep. next season. Oh, I can't wait for that. Oh, wow, that's cool. Talk yeah. us through Lidcombe Oval. I know my, my old man used to go there every Saturday, so he tells me stories. He grew up at Enfield, and it was either Leichhardt or... Uh, 
Lidcombe every weekend. Um, so, yeah, memories of Lidcombe Oval, I suppose, apart from, you know, these days it's just something you see on a train when you go from yeah. Penrith to yeah, the city. Well, so It was always one of the, uh, you know, it's always been my favourite ground. I guess, um, you know, I played a lot of, lot of games there, but uh, it, it was one of the, it's always been well looked after. It's a nice field. You know, it's a, I guess every NRL ground these days is, is a good ground. Yeah. But, but that was, uh, but if, but if you go back to Lidcombe right now, it's it's looked after. It's it's like a yeah, uh, it's, it's like a carpet. It's uh it's yeah. really lush and uh, you know the, the players are going to love it when they see it. The dressing room isn't even though it's it's still basically the same. The lockers aren't there, but the uh, and, and some of the signage that was there before. But I think the club's going to try and get that stuff back. Yeah, make oh, it look awesome. like, like the way it was. Mate, uh, do, you, do you have a uh, what you said? You do support them still, but do you still get out there and support the fanatics at the games? Oh well, you know what? Um, uh, I, I, I try and get to a West uh, a West Tigers game at least a couple of times a year. I don't, I don't, I don't, I coach my son's team, so I don't get the chance to see all the games. But um, how old's your son, and uh, how's that uh, for you? How's coaching? How's coaching life? Oh yeah, well I've, I've been coaching kids since I was. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, a career, isn't it? But, yeah. Even the, even that first year when I yeah. when I was teaching, uh, I was coaching the. I was playing myself, but yeah. I was also coaching uh, kids' teams as well. And I've done that for the last 30, uh, yeah. 35 years, yeah, 38 yeah. years, yeah. But, yeah, coaching my son's team, uh, the Guy Gorillas, under-18s yeah. last year, yeah. last season. Uh, great bunch of boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, uh, my son's always been a soccer player, so he's only just okay. played league the last couple of years, yeah. but uh, he, he, he loves the game. Um, so uh, he, he doesn't play it for any more than enjoyment. And, and he's got way more athletic ability than I ever had. He's he's fast. He's elusive. He's you know, <laughs> which is <laughs> more than I ever had. I just had I just had that determination, I guess, to yeah. play footy. And he's not as tough as I was, but he's he's definitely got. You know more what? I was about ability. to say that, and you said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. I, I guess we'll. Uh, anyone finish on boys? We'll, mate, we'll like we just uh, thank you for coming on, mate, and uh, we'll uh, stay in contact. And we'll get you on throughout uh, next season. And but thanks again for your time, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of pleasure, and like I said, uh, I can't wait for next season to see the West Magpies back at uh, Lidcombe Oval. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and the West Tigers uh, hopefully winning a few more games. Yeah, uh, I've got to ask any, any thoughts on, on next year and what Madge has done and where we're headed. Anything? Oh, obviously, it's uh, it's, it's you know. West have had a problem, I think, with the way they've recruited players. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just a no basket yeah. case in some ways. Uh, and, and obviously, there were some guys who looked like they were going to be doing something that didn't, didn't uh, come, come come as good as we'd hoped. Yeah. But um, oh, no, I'm, just, I'm just happy that we've got a team. I think that they're going to um, have to just finish in the top half of the competition. And if you can do that, then you, anything can happen from there. Like, yeah. You know, there's no in, when you're playing first grade rugby league, any team can beat any other team on a given day. That's it. And yeah. uh, it's, it's all about consistency, though. So that's something that West haven't had for a yeah, while. So exactly. let's hope they can get a bit more so, consistent. On that uh, optimistic note, we'll finish up. Thank you again so much for your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the night, and um, yeah, hopefully we we'll chat soon. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're back here at uh, Club Redfern, but very, uh, very pleased to be joined by prominent uh, Australian author Alan Whitaker. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Great to be here, boys. Um, so we'll start with this book, um, League on Sunday, Work on Monday. Tell us about how your involvement came about with uh, Tone and how how you worked through the book, I guess. Well, some years ago when I was working as a commissioning editor at a publishing house, um, I was a teacher for 30 years and then I moved into publishing. Uh, Tony is a... Uh, a great historian of Speedway and racing car history. And I was looking for sport titles. That was sort of my um, forte as a publisher. 
um, and uh, Tony had a great collection of Speedway uh, photos. So I published a book of his in about 2013, 2014, and we got talking about rugby league at the time. And, and he said, you know, I'd love to do a rugby league book. And at the time, I was the sort of leading rugby league pub, uh, author in the company, uh, Ian Collis and I, who is a, an uber collector, has a great collection of, of Australian sporting history. We were writing quite um, significantly together. We published about 15 books together. And I said, look, you know, if it ever comes up, you know, I, I'd love to work with you. So <clears throat> fast forward 10 years and uh, I'm semi-retired. I, I, I finished up with the publishing house a couple of years ago. I'm working on my own projects. Tony is a niche publisher, uh, a boutique publisher. He's got a very, um, uh, I don't want to say narrow marketplace, but he's got a very defined um, database of buyers of his books, and he felt that uh, uh, his database could handle a a really um, high-end 400-page hardcover uh, 1,000-picture book at 69.95, and I said, "Look, you know, you're being the the Botech publisher. You're taking all the risk. Ian and I are happy to come on board and help you with it. But as long as you feel that you can publish this and sell it, um, we'd be happy to work with you." So we worked for about three, four months on this, and um, because the period that we focused on was from 65 to 95, and we we see that as a glory years of rugby league. So the Panthers came into the New South Wales Rugby League Premiership in 67. I was a kid in 67. So I've grown up with the Panthers all my life. Ian's a Balmain supporter. Tony's an North Sydney supporter. So we brought a lot of history uh, to that book. So we thought we could do something special. And six months later, publication of the book. Yep, it's a beautiful book. Um, I've, I've got my own copy over there. There's a, I've got three well, copies. Yes, <laughs> they're ready to go. Christmas is sort of for a few of us. I've yes. got six um, copies, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty successful night. A good turn. I know Anthony's happy. Um, we'll get back to. Oh, so you, I just need to bring it up, otherwise, I'm going to have a few people rousing on me. You talk about growing up. You actually grew up next to my father, my uncles, my aunties, growing up, played footy with them. Uh, my father would go on to play a season in under 23s with Penrith in 82. I guess just give us a little bit of background about how you got into rugby league and growing up, because he does tell stories of you guys actually playing in the backyard together, so you've always grown up supporting rugby league. Well, the great thing about uh, being born and bred and growing up in Penrith, and I still live in Penrith, and I'm 62 uh, in five days' time, is that uh, Penrith is a rugby league town. So the, the Panthers, good and bad... Um, successful and unsuccessful eras permeates the whole town. And even as a young kid in the 60s and 70s, rugby league, before we even knew what rugby league was, it was very much a big part of the town. So growing up, everybody kicked a football in the backyard. And in those days, um, the backyards were pretty big. And we lived next door to the Kellners. Uh, cheer out to Paddy and to Mick and to Tony and... Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie. <laughs> it would have been little back then. Haven't seen Ronnie for years. I know he's out there. He's at uh, Maitland at the moment. Yeah. Well, we had great times with my older brother and my younger brother just kicking around. But I do have to say your family were much better footballers than we were, and they played 
um, you know, high-end grade football at uh, Cambridge Park and for, for lower grades. And, you know, it's like everything. It's like you guys too, I imagine, that not everyone needs to play rugby league at the highest level yeah. to be part of the game. Yeah. You can be a fan or you can be someone who uh, in today's age blogs or writes or podcasts like you guys do. It's about everyone finding their level where they can creatively add something to the game. And for me, as a kid, it was uh, scrapbooks. So I was cutting out all the papers, uh, all the newspaper articles. There wasn't much about Penrith in those days. It's pasting them together. It's reconfiguring what's in your head onto a piece of paper, making uh, a scrapbook out of it. It's collecting cards, collecting photos, going to training, getting autographs. Uh, You know, I was a big autograph fan for a long time, but I'm I'm not an autograph fan now. But uh, doing all those things that made you a fan. And then as you grew up, uh, which happened to me in the 70s and the 80s is that a lot of your mates are playing grade and I was very lucky to have a couple of close mates uh, one here tonight, Taz Batiri who was the, the year above me in, in high school very good schoolboy footballer played for Penrith and um, you know cheering those guys on and then it was like okay what else can I do and uh, writing about rugby league, you know, I, I always wanted to, to be a journalist and uh, I didn't become a journalist, I became a school teacher. But uh, one of the things that I was always taught was write, write what you know about. And what we knew about in Penrith was the whole rugby league milieu, you know. Um, who's hot, who's not, who's winning, who's losing, what are the stories, who are the great players, what's the history. And to set the stage, just even for me, I grew up, went to school as, you know, as you know, same age, um, what, 90, even primary school, 90 through 97, part of our school assembly was to sing the Panthers song. <laughs> that was, instead of the national anthem, we'd sing the Panthers, go like, the mighty Panthers. I like to have gone to that It was, uh, yeah, it was uh, depressing times, but um, but it used to be part of that, we were at Jemison Public School, and you'd have, it wouldn't be, no, it'd be no big thing to have uh, one of the guys or one of the Alexanders or yeah. Hitler walking in at lunchtime and kick the ball And out. this is the great thing about being a rugby league town is that the rugby, rugby league players, much more back in those days, were part of the community. Yeah. So you would see them down the street. Yeah. They, they would come to your school. Yeah. Um, they were very accessible. Uh, most of them had jobs. Uh, uh, my grandparents owned a corner shop and two of their reps were Penrith players, yeah. you know. So... Uh, it was easy, I suppose, to um, develop your passion for the game. And, uh, you know, when I was in my mid-twenties, I, I was a school teacher. I was quite enjoying what I was doing. But, you know, how can you heighten your um, interest in rugby league? Well, I started writing stuff and sending off uh, articles to the newspaper trying to get published, little stats things and different things. And I was very lucky because Penrith was starting to come good. So yep. in 1991, Penrith were hot. Not many people knew much about Penrith. Um, so I was able to get a few things published. And then before I knew it, somebody said, well, do you want to write a book? Do you want to do this? So that led into publishing. And I, because I was a school teacher, I do maybe a project a year at, over the summer holidays. When my kids were small, I'd bury myself away for a couple of weeks and write a book. And then I'd have to wait for the, the next year and do another one. And that 
gained some momentum. So over 15 years, I had about 10 books published, and then the publisher said, look, why don't you come on board and, and work for me? So I've been able to take that passion for rugby league into another passion, which is publishing and books, which is a great industry. I was going to ask what came first, because I know um, your passion for rugby league, and I know since you've branched out into other genres, I suppose mm. you'd say, um, uh, what, so it was the footy came first, and then the publishing route led you down other roads? No, I think I was just, always... A, you uh, just went uh, with your passions as you as you felt like, I'll oh, write about this this summer, whatever it might be. No, I think I was always a bibliophile, like yeah. as you're a kid. One of the things that, you know, maybe many of your listeners, if they're of my age, would remember as a kid is Penrith Library. You know, used to go down to Penrith Library and get a cartload of books and take home. And, and you know, I was a, I was a pretty uh, eviscerous reader and uh, um, I love books. I love collecting books. So I had a little personal library when I was a school teacher and, you know, um, I, I loved history, ancient history. Uh, I loved crime as well, crime books. I loved um, sport, um, different things. So I started collecting a, a bit of a personal library as well, but it was always about how do you get to that next level? And, uh, yeah, if anyone's listening, well, how do you get the next level? Well, you just got to do it. You just got to write. And then you got to send the stuff off and you might get a reject or you might... But at least I used to love reject letters because it meant somebody uh, read it, you yeah. know, they replied to you. So it took me about five years to get published. It wasn't overnight. And then... Um, do you still have, uh, obviously, harder these days and age to keep your Word documents? How were you typing back then? Is it just you had the typewriter out? Was it handwritten? Yeah. What was it? I was very lucky because uh, my... Yeah, grand- Commodore 64. <laughs> no, way before then. I, I, I had a hand typer, a hand typewriter. Um, my grandparents live next door to us. Yeah. Um, my mum and dad live next door to each other, grew up together, childhood sweethearts, married, and my grandparents subdivided their property. Oh, wow. So we lived next door to our, both, our, both sets of grandparents. Wow. So we had a, we had a charmed childhood. Yeah. And the Kilners. And then the, the Kilners were just in there <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> who, were very, who were very close to my grandparents, very close. We were like a little community in ourselves. And um, my grandmother owned a, um, a typewriter, and I taught myself to type. You won't believe this. But uh, one of my other passions is music. Um, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I've written a couple of books on the Beatles, on popular music. And I learned to type when I was about 11 years old by typing the lyrics of Beatles songs. So I listened to the record, write them down in longhand, and then taught myself to type. So by the time I got to university, uh, teacher's college, I could, I could type. Yeah. And I can type pretty quickly. So the typing wasn't the issue. It was the, the fact that I love books and the construction of books and, and uh, putting it all together. Uh, scrapbooks, what photo goes where, is that balanced, how do you set it up, writing, I had older cousins who kept scrapbooks, you write the caption underneath, it was all just a process, so by the time I became an adult and I wanted to publish, it was second nature to me. What's uh, some of the most enjoyable books that you uh, got to write about? Well, look, obviously the first book that you ever publish is, is, is astronomical, the fact that you see your name on a book and you go, yeah. isn't this fantastic? And then you look back on it 10 years later and you say, gee, that's pretty crappy. It's a, <laughs> it's a magazine. It's pretty thin. What was I thinking? But um, look, over the years I've had the opportunity to, to ghost uh, a lot of biographies, Terry Lamb, Matty Rogers, uh, Cliffy Lyons, Roy Simmons. 
and then more recently Luke Lewis's and just sitting down with those guys and talking to them is just fantastic. I How's that process start? Is it a at this stage? Is it a Zoom call? But is it a we we'll for a beer? We'll start here. Is no, it no, a, it was all it was all face to face in the old days with yep. a, with a camcorder, you know. Yep. Um, old school podcast. Old school. Yeah. And then you go home and play the tape back and write it in longhand, then type it up and yep. string all the sentences together. But it was a very easy process because you know I found the people interesting and I asked the right questions. I did my research. So after I I kicked a couple of goals in uh, rugby league publishing, my publisher said, "Well, what else do you want to do?" You know, and and he was great. And uh, he was having a bit of trouble with Jimmy Barnes of all people. Jimmy Barnes was supposed to do a book with him and wouldn't do the book. So he paid the money, and Jimmy Barnes was, you know, he was on tour. He was going through a few issues and then I said look I'll do it oh you know I, I don't know, didn't know you did pub, uh, popular music and I said look I'll, I'll write anything if it's an interesting story so I went and knocked on Jimmy Barnes's door in Vaucluse and yeah. spent 10 weeks with him getting his thoughts down so I knew then it was transferable from rugby league yeah. to pop and what stage was Jimmy music. in then is he, a, is he was going through a bit of a re- renaissance yeah. he could have gone the way by uh, of an also ran yeah. he could have been doing club acts at the RSL but he reinvented himself soon after got his act together and um, so this is after Cold Chisel after Cold Chisel and after his his first wave of of success this is 2000 2001 he's he's 45 where do I go to from here and he reinvented himself he's an icon now and he's written his own books you know all power to him so once I did uh, Jimmy Barnes's, uh, the publisher said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, look, I always wanted to write a, a book on the Wanda Beach murders. And I grew up in, in Penrith in the 60s and 70s. A lot of my cousins were, we called them Penrith surfies. They, yep. used, they used to catch the train from Penrith. Central Coast? No, they used, no, to, go to, Wanda. used to go to Cronulla. Ah, okay. Cronulla and Cronulla Wanda. And, and you walk across the, you walk up yeah. the road, up the arcade there. Yeah. Cronulla I used to, the, we used to do it itself in high school. So yeah, yeah, Cronulla is the only beach that is accessible by train in Sydney. Yeah. You have to catch a bus. It's a long train trip, but it's... Uh, it's can you, get can you still do it today? Because I know yeah, you've got to yeah, catch sure. a ferry to Manly. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, no, train, no, to, just, train to Central and train out. Sure, yeah. We still do it in high school ourselves. You go down a big, off, big escalator. And you're there. Well, yeah. when are we going? So, I can drive now. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> so my, co- my older cousins, uh, you know, shout out to the Flints and to the Callahans and, you know, they were, they were Penrith surfies and uh, they would come back and tell these horrendous stories that they'd heard from the other surfies of how two girls were murdered on the beach, their throats were cut, they were raped and they were buried in the sand dunes and, you know, just freaked me out as a, as a young kid, as, as they would, you know, be like stories around the campfire. Yeah. So I grew up with that and by the time I was 18, 19, there was a bit of information in the public domain about what happened to these two poor girls. And so when I when I had the chance after doing a, a couple of rugby league books and doing the Jimmy Barnes book, I said, well, I want to do a book on the, the, the Wanda Beach murders. And this is in 2002, before podcasts and before true crime was really popular. And the publisher said, yeah, right, off you go, go and, go and do it. And I said to my wife, who was also a school teacher at the time, how do I write it? How do you? What do you do? Do you go to the newspaper and yeah. ask them? Who do you interview? 
And we're very lucky because um, one of the kids that we taught was the son of a guy called Russell Oxford, who was the head of unsolved homicide in Sydney. And my wife just said, oh, Russell Oxford said that he'd help you with the books. And I was actually acting principal of a school in the Borkham Hills. And Russell Oxford rang me up one day and he he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm running a school. And he said, can I pop in for morning tea? And I said, yeah. And he actually bought eight folders of of information about this high, about a metre high, plumped them on my desk and he said, that's the Wanda Beach investigation. He said, off you go. And I've often wondered why did Russell give me the the case notes is because the case had run dead, run, run, you know, it was insolvent, nothing was happening. And I thought they probably thought, well, if somebody writes about it, it might spark something up, which it did, you know, it sort of started a whole discussion. So that got me into the true crime genre. And Out of the wonder thing, was there, did you set out to try and solve it or you sent out to document it? You said, I'll just document document it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So keep going, yeah. Yeah, look, uh, no, no, you never, you never have the ego that I'm going to solve it. I'll be the one that's smarter than everyone else. A a thousand cops couldn't solve it. You're not going to solve it. All you do is write what is known, what is unknown and what the theory are. Yeah. And what I did, I, I set the case out, and in fact I got criticised in a couple of reviews, well he doesn't advance the case anymore, but I started the conversation about well, what happened to these two poor girls, and if it, if it happened today would we know what happened and whatever, and um, yeah, look a lot of leads came out of that and that got me uh, writing about the, the Beaumont children which were... Over in South Australia. Yeah, three, three, three siblings in South Australia that went missing, and that's been a 15 year journey with that. Once again, we don't know what happened, but we know a lot more than what we did. Does that get dark as an author? Are you able to uh, space yourself from it? Oh, for sure. No. Look, it does because I'm a school teacher. I'm not a forensic scientist. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to see crime scene photos, it's quite confronting. Well, you've got the case file. You've got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You saw everything. And to see, you know, two 15-year-old girls with their throats cut... Uh, buried in a sand dune is when you've got a 15 year old daughter is is very confronting I remember I did the Anita Cobby book um, sometimes later and my my go with the true crime is not to write about the gory details but to write about what was the impact on society what did we learn from it and how can we stop it from happening again I, I have no interest in saying like a lot of schlock writers who write off the internet Oh, and then this, this, is, this next gory bit happened, then this. It's okay. What was the impact? What did we learn about it? Um, was justice done? And how do we stop this from happening? And I need a copy happened in Western Sydney. Actually, I was teaching in Blacktown at the time when it happened. Uh, close taught, to home. Yeah, I taught two of the kids that uh, heard her being kidnapped off the main street. Star witnesses, I taught both those kids. Um, so I was sort of involved. And and Western Sydney was vilified when Anita Cobby was killed. Animals. We are animals. Yeah. You know? Because the murderers came from... But Anita Cobby also came from Western suburbs. So we couldn't have the good and the bad. We had to understand. So that was my go. So the first police policeman that I asked, a guy called Ian Kennedy, who's the head um, detective... I met him at a coffee shop in Ramwick and I said, you, uh, are you up to talking about this? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about it. He said, are you up to talking about it? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He opened up a folder and he goes, do you want to see the crime scene photos of Anita Cobby murdered in a field? I said, no, I don't want to see them. But 
I have to see them yeah. because if you don't see them, then you tend to intellectualise the crime. Yeah. Oh, this was a horrific crime. Oh, what they did to her was... But yeah. if you haven't seen it and experienced okay, yeah. it... And look, I think I handled it pretty well and I can I can disassociate it from it a little bit. Yeah. But people who read true crime, people who write true crime, need to know that there are victims, victims' families. There's this ripple effect that happens yeah. with crime. And don't think for a moment that anything that you write brings comfort to yeah, the absolutely. people because yeah. it doesn't. No, yeah. that's right. So I go into it with that sort of um, mindset. I've enjoyed my true crime, but I won't be writing a lot more because it does take a lot out of you. Yeah. I'll, um, we might just finish on a... On a oh, sorry, Ali. Oh, yeah, I just want to get a little finish. personal before we finish sure. up. Um, as I think you'd know, when I was young, six years old, my mother unfortunately passed away. Now kids cope with grieving through many different means. My way, funnily enough, was actually reading your books, yours and Ian Collins' books. Obviously, Dad, because he's made to be, he had all your books. At about seven years old, I don't know how I did it, I managed to read through back to uh, front to back 100 Years of Rugby League. That came out in 2007. Yeah. That helped me cope a lot, and that is the spark that started my passion for writing about rugby league and talking about rugby league. You could argue if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be in my current job with everything rugby league. I wouldn't be running my page, rugby league in my opinion, that has gotten me to this point. I wouldn't be on this podcast. And to anyone out there who thinks I'm a rugby league nut and knows a lot about rugby league history, it's because of this man and Ian Collis. So I need to shake your hand and say thank you for that, my friend. Beautiful. Well, Ollie, it's my pleasure because uh, rugby league is my comfort food as well. Um, I've written about uh, uh, crimes and biographies and history. I've written a very um, uh, successful series on famous speeches. I love American history. I love ancient history. I've written a book on... on uh, Dan Carlin, man. Listen to Dan Carlin. Uh, avoid it. Podcast, no? No. Talk about it later. No. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm, I'm of the... Uh, you try and keep us... I'm of the generation that I, I, I'm not really affected by podcasts. Yeah. And I realise there's a lot of true crime my kids tell me. I don't. I can't listen to true crime, but history I can. Yeah, like, uh, I love history. So I've written about a lot of... I've been very happy to write about a lot of different things. And I'm still looking for different things I want to write about. But my comfort food is rugby league yeah. because that's what you grow up with. I love writing about the Panthers. I love talking about the Panthers. I love um, writing about rugby league. I met three or four players of my Ted Goodwin tonight mm. you know grew up watching him play and I think it, it, it's true Ollie that um, growing up in a rugby league town you feel very connected to the game mm. it's a very uh, visceral experience and it's also memories a lot of your happiest memories are going to Penrith Park and yep. watching the Panthers win they are for me and I love writing about that I wrote a book called Mud, Blood and Beer about growing up in the 70s a Penrith supporter we won nothing in the 70s <laughs> couldn't catch a cold and uh, but I really enjoyed writing that book because that was a personal journey and it, and as an extension of that is what you guys are doing you are following your passion on podcasts so all power to you and, and keep on going uh, just uh, a couple of things because I'll quickly just say because I was going to talk to Alfie but anyways, I'll do it on air and that's a beautiful thing you just said all, and that's yeah, a, a magnificent thing real good, all. but um, actually we'll talk off air because I'd love to have you back for a full hour, hour and a half and talk 
actual footy in Penrith because uh, rather than tack you onto the end of a, yeah. you know, a, a show where we've talked to eight different blokes. Um, so, but we'll talk about it. Hopefully, you know, over, Look, over my feet, next six months we'll do it properly. Um, unfortunately, we drink at the gums and the colonial, so so we'll have to go out of the way of the gemo to sit down and have a beer there. Don't come to the gemo. <laughs> I'll come to you. Yeah, even come better. To the Good no, deal. I'll, I'll so, to, um, to the but we can work something out. We can sit there. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have to be ever beer. It can be ever whatever it might be. Do but a simulcast. We will do, uh, no, but <laughs> yeah. I know Al's uh, doesn't mind uh, the gemo. Uh, dragged Vinny out there a few times myself, uh, <laughs> man. But, uh, but so we'll, we'll uh, liaise. Hopefully we can do a proper show. I'd love to do a proper show and, and talk about yeah. your passion, our passion, and, and that sort of thing. But a couple of quick questions to ask. Um, Pat Webster. That was something last year, Pat timely Webster. given last week. He hung up the boots. Or yeah, the, I was talking to him how, yesterday. How, 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 how was it dealing with him? How is he? He comes across as a generally likeable bloke. How is Beautiful guy. Um, yeah. Another one of my passions is... Race horse uh, trainer, trained happy clap of those. Yeah. Unaware. It's horse racing. I love horse racing. Grew yeah. up with horse racing. Yeah, me too. Fine. In the 70s, <laughs> 70s and Same. 80s. Um, I'm currently doing a book on the immortals of horse racing, so yeah. I've got to uh, identify the 24 horses, and I would love to have put happy clapper in there, but look, when I was public Publishing, um, I just came across Pat Webster by accident. Pat Webster does a lot of work behind the scenes. Not only is he a great bloke, great trainer, got a great horse and happy clapper, won you know six million dollars, yep. won group one races. But he works with um, drug and alcohol counselling with uh, with industry uh, members such as jockeys, um, staff members, even trainers who buckle to the pressure. And meeting Pat was fantastic. And uh, I spoke to him the other day when he announced his retirement. I wish him all the best. He's uh, had a fantastic career, and he'll continue to have a great career. Yeah. So, uh, no, that was that was just another byproduct of, of of being in the right place in the right time, and and just writing about something you're passionate about. Fantastic. Uh, and lastly, just for the sake of our this show and the podcast, thoughts on the modern game? You have much you dream footy currently? Do you have much? How did you get through the grand final last year? Tough. Yeah. No. Look. And I, looking forward to next year. So, by two part question here. But, I like the game. I like the product. I follow the Panthers. Um, I was at the grand final um, and I was heartbroken that they lost because they could have won it. Yeah. But it's not the game I grew up with. It's a different game. Yeah, that's uh, right. it's, it's a faster, more athletic game. The game I watched in the 70s, which is why I loved it, was because it was a more more man-on-man, more skillful game. Um, but there's also a lot of thuggery and a lot of violence, which I don't love or advocate or miss. But the game today... Uh, is much faster, you know, fantastic athletes. But the players are not accessible, uh, as accessible to even guys like you. Yeah. But, you know, they are on a pedestal. Um, they're young blokes earning big money. Um, yes, they deserve it because the media makes millions out of them. But I think they miss something. They miss uh, either the personalities. So even as simple as in Penrith, because you know, we both remember... 91, we both remember. Yeah. I remember even in 03, 03, there were street oh. parties. Uh, and yeah, that's right. I, I'd struggle to think, I know we're a different era right now of COVID, but I couldn't imagine there being street parties, you know, people running out of their front doors. I remember 03. Mate, can I I'll, just say, so can I just cut you off for it? Yeah, sorry. Of course, Ken. So this year, Penrith makes, time grand, did. Penrith makes the grand final. They do their big road train around Penrith. He was whinging that they were beeping horns out front of his house down <laughs> Jemison Road. Filthy Penrith fans. So I just couldn't understand what, the, what they were doing. I was like, why are you doing half hour later? Are you going somewhere? <laughs> It's just up and down Jamo Road. Unfortunately, COVID probably put a dampener on, on any, you know, uh, half the people who support the Panthers probably couldn't even go to the game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I got a season ticket. I think I went to three matches. Well, we went to the grand final as well. Yeah. Fortunate enough, me, Dad and Pat. So. Yeah. 
look, it was great to be there, but look, it's a different game. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the fact that there seems to be a lot of momentum in the game. The fact that the Storm can score 26 points in a row, and then we score 20 in a row. Momentum is massive now. It, it, it's uh, 18 points is nothing anymore. It's, right. like, it, it's, it's like uh, it's 2020 cricket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you're not up the 20, worst analogy, yeah. if you're up 20 nil in a game, it's not one. And, and had no other, ball, you just go. Oh, we'll get the ball. And back. the other we'll, team can come yeah. back and win yeah. And, yeah. and score 20 points easily. Yeah. So there's something they've got to tweak there. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not a big fan of making the game faster. We don't want it to become touch football. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it goes back to the 10 meter rule. Maybe they should go back to the five and the five meters. Um, but you know, it's all the best thing we've got. So yeah. we might as well go with it. And good luck to them next year. I think I think they'll win the premiership in 21. Yeah. Fantastic, Ollie. Um, I might give you the last word to sign this segment off. Um, but hopefully, as I said, Al, we'll, uh, hopefully we can catch up and do this again and uh, maybe uh, do a can, better I forum. I can tell you some hairy stories about the yeah. Panthers. Can't wait. In the old days. We're lucky enough. I, I we did an hour, we did ninety minutes with uh, Roycey. Start of the year. Royce, um, well, Royce is another saying. guy that I worked with on his book in, <laughs> yeah. in 2001. He's a legend. Yeah, very accommodating, lovely guy. Lovely guy. Uh, <laughs> better off air than on. That's all we're saying, you know. Simple as that. That is Royce. What stays on tour? What <laughs> exactly. happens on tour stays on tour. They so will leave as simple as that. But Ollie, I'll hand you the the, uh, the floor for this month. Yeah, well, I want to thank everyone for listening to this part of the interview. Alan, I'm sure we'll definitely get you on again, especially because you're local and we could talk for ages and ages and just go on because you've been involved in so much rugby league as you said true crime and that we want to delve into all of it history as well and one day we will but for now unfortunately we have to say goodbye but thank you so much for coming on thank you guys for having uh, me thanks Al you're welcome thanks Al guys uh, welcome back to league on Sunday work on Monday that is an awful Watch. beer sorry carry on at Club Redfern <laughs> so right now we're with uh, a long time Tragic supporter of the game, uh, Lukey Johnson. How are you, Lukey? I'm well, mate. I'm well. Thanks mate, for having me. You're welcome, mate. And how have you found uh, tonight? Oh, it's been wonderful. Uh, for someone who's been a, a tragic rugby league fan for 45 years, to see guys like Teddy Goodwin and Don McKinnon and, uh, you know, just the old faces that you respect from when you were growing up as a kid and loving the game, it's... It's uh, it's wonderful. I just don't want to be too much of a fanboy and pester him for photos. But <laughs> it's lovely to have a chat. No, that's awesome, mate. So uh, let's uh, tell a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I'll just oh, quickly, Rach? just to I'll just quickly butt in. Um, oh, so right. to put a face to name because we shared the group. Uh, yes. Administrator on uh, the Dan, the, I was going to say Dan, Dan's NRL collectible group. Correct. Eight, Correct. Eight, Twenty thousand people in there. Yep. Um, that all pretty good community actually. They're all that's pretty uh, pretty. Uh, Respectful and uh, opinionated, so you're one of the admin there. Um, so go back to or continue, Trevor, just to put a face and a name. I thought yeah, we'd throw it out so there, that, but mate. keep going. Yeah, I just I grew up on the northern beaches. I was only a park footballer. I played with a, a lad named Craig Craig Hancock in the under eights in 1976, and uh, we just there was no mod league or anything like that. Just give the ball to Craig, and we won the comp, <laughs> and uh, that was, was a good good place to grow up. Just give yeah. the ball to Craig. He just ran around everyone. Yeah, just give it to Craig, and he'd run round him. There's no mod. <laughs> So I grew up there and then um, ended up at Oak Hill College. My parents bought a property and uh, went to the Oak Hill, which is a rugby school, Pappenhausen and Keary. Yep. Went to school with a guy called Peter Johnston, the hitman yep. from Parramatta. We did little athletics and uh, so we were a rugby school, but a lot of league fans come uh, out of there. So, yeah, and then just um, joined Dan's page and uh, he goes, you seem to know your football and... 
So yeah, just whenever he goes overseas, I try to help out. But I love it. It's uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And just quickly, we'll put um, we'll, we'll put Dan over while we can while he's not listening. But um, very generous person. What oh. you see is what you give Dan. Um, absolutely accommodating. You see the photos of the guests he has. But we've Trevor and I've been to his house and he he, he feeds you, he, he waters you, and he makes sure you get home safe. He's a tremendous person. He's a wonderful. He, he drove tonight. Um, so we've got to give a big shout out to Dan. Um, and footy means a lot, as it does to all of us. But uh, uh, back to yourself, your own fanship. So what club did you start with oh, and where did you go from there? Uh, well, my father's not actually much of a sportsman, but um, as a seven-year-old, he sat me down in 1975, Colour TV had just come in, yep. and he said, you want to watch this? And it was East versus St George, and we won 38 nil. and Artie Bootson and Russell Fairfax and... Um, I was hooked from there, but, yeah. geez, I've copped a lot of grief in the years <laughs> since. So I sort of wish maybe I would, you know, followed another team. But the Roosters are my team. I love them. But I'm a rugby league fan first. The funny thing about it is that it's almost second. like the modern day and age, you're half not allowed to be a Roosters fan. But for you, it's, it's 40 years in the making. Yeah, 45. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, and, that, and that, being, that's different. You're allowed to do it that. It was nice to meet Don McKinnon tonight because yeah. my grandfather, who's passed away, was a mad North Sydney bear. And they didn't win anything from 1921. And I remember in the 80s, East were the transit lounge. Yeah. And I said, oh, I, don't, I might change to Cronulla or something. And my pop said, you pick and you stick, mate. That's yeah. your team. You ride it out. And uh, I ride it out. Yeah, we cop a lot of grief. But yeah, I'm a proud rooster. But, uh, but it, it, in, in fairness, it's been a pretty good last decade. So Yeah, it has. It has. But um, but a footy fan first. That's what I think why Dan yep. uh, has, has me on the page because yeah. I love all clubs and yep. try to get the Brisbane Rugby League in there as well and whatever's interesting to people. And the, the current state of, um, of, I guess, let's start with East. So next year, you, you've sort of faded out this year. Injuries took their toll. Mm. Confident next year or you, no, you're sort of leaning towards ages? Uh, yeah, we're an ageing team. A few team, of us are starting to think, think maybe Boyd's one year too gonna, many. Yeah. I think Boyd will pull a pin shortly. We're an ageing team, the Morris Brothers, and uh, it's time for someone else. But um, yeah. pretty happy with the run we've had. I think Angus Crichton... I just want to say, everyone bagged him out. No one wanted him in Origin, yep. but being yeah, a rooster, good. I'd watched him all year. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a great le- year last but year. He was outstanding, and I think he showed it in Origin. Yep. So I was proud of him, but, um, yeah. Who plays half next year? Oh, that's a tough one. I think Cleary. Um, oh, I mean, just for the East. Oh, for started, East? Started oh, East. sorry. Uh, is it Walker? Is it Cleary? Uh, oh, jeez. Cleary, yeah, well, there it is. Uh, stop it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, Cheese at nine. See, it just no, uh, everything comes no, up East these days. I upset a few roosters during that 29-28 um, win at Penrith Park. Yeah. First work in the finals, and they had to go into camp together in Origin, so that was uh, <laughs> a few things had to be sorted out. No, um, I don't know. I really Probably Sam Walker. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the reputation, but it's tough. Look at look what happened to yeah. I know, like, yeah. just take thrown out the window and give him a run. As a fan, do you do much wrong? No. Apart no, from being didn't. 20 years old? No, yeah. he's 20. Yeah. He's a kid. Kicked, like, kicked as well as kicked, anyone in the comp. Kicked outstanding, and there yeah. were some great goals he kicked, backed up. Um, sure, he's, he's probably needs to put on a bit of bulk, yeah. but everyone ran it. But that happens. Week. That happens, it happens naturally. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I felt for him. Yeah. And that sort of thing, when I hear that we're signing, who is it? That's us. Suwali. Suwali. Just, I, I'm not real happy about that. But you got to see him play a fair bit before you do. He's very young himself. Yes. Yep. So, yep. but he, and his look's got a great physique. Yeah. 
potentially, but he's carving up in schoolboy rugby. Yeah. It's first grade rugby league's a different ball game. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they'll target But, him. but he's been Absolutely. playing against and, and I can say this because I've been fortunate enough to see Joseph yep. play from when he was a little kid. Yep. And all the way through to now. Yep. Like he, he's been I know it's schoolboy rugby, but he's been playing first fifteen schoolboy rugby since yep. he was like fifteen years yeah. old. So yeah. he's been playing against the older kids. Oh. He's been playing against the older kids from when he was younger as well. And now like if he does make his first grade debut at 18, he's coming up. I know, again, there's still that generation of the strength and whatnot, but he's been playing against guys three, four, five years older than him since, like, forever. Yep. Gotcha. So, so he's handled the step up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Victor Radley, where's he sitting here? Oh, I love Victor. <laughs> yeah. We our one local junior. <laughs> um, he's just old, he's old school. He's, he's like his father. Um, it'd be great to have him back next year. I think, you know, even if people don't like the Roosters, I think most people appreciate Victor. Well, and, and the thing about the Roosters is um, you have the thing everyone hates East or hates Manly. Um, when you actually sit like we do and watch seven or eight games a week, when East are on, they're on and they're amazing to watch. I love yeah, watching awesome. them at the absolute best. I, I love the way they chime. I love their timing at their best. My concern going forward to next year and... Um, and we'll talk about the pre-show, is that the back end of next year, all of a sudden, you've got a lot of 36, 30-year-old bodies that perhaps yeah. have some work to do heading oh, into some other teams. Oh, their premiership window is pretty much yeah. closed now, I think. Um, yeah, so... But, I, um, I have a feeling this year is it, and if they don't get it this year, then... This year's possible. Yep. I don't think they're the favourite, but they're contenders this year, and I think if they don't get it this year, then... They've got the potential, yeah, to yeah. be top four. That's right. And um, the, the modern game itself, how much ginger? How many games would you watch? Do you do you, have, do you sit down and watch your Foxtel, your yep. Super yep. Saturday, yeah, Sunday, Arvo, off you go? I can't get enough. I watch yeah. every game. It's, uh, <laughs> rugby league. What are you, outside East, what are your favourite teams to watch? Because uh, when you watch enough, you, actually, you end up have a soft spot. For well, some. as a kid in the you know late seventies and eighties, I liked watching the, the entertainers Canterbury and the West, the tough West Magpies. Yeah. Now I enjoy watching. Um, Anyone that throws a ball around, really. Yeah. Um, anyone that tra- plays entertaining football. and the, I enjoyed the Cowboys in 2015 with Thurston. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Queenslander. Yeah. I'm a yeah. long way off a of Queenslander. But uh, I, I'm looking – actually, I'll tell you what I'm excited about. The Gold Coast Titans. Aren't oh, we all? We are all. They're my boys. I am excited about the Titans. I'm not sure if they're going to get Cam or not. If they don't get Cam, they'll get Brandon, I think. Well, Cam's my my bold prediction was top four next year because oh. we're on our show. We said the way they finish here, and I rate Holbrook. Um, great coach and coach yep. of the Holbrook next year. Yep. I've yep. tipped it. Yep. I think they're a team on the up. Which Trev flagged before he even came over. He said he's a disappointing coach. Yep. So. Yeah, I did. Yep. Same here. Uh, I also rate Trent Barrett. I think Trent Barrett can coach. Yeah, there's some proof uh, in the pudding people. at Penrith. We're yeah. talking about this uh, in the car ride down. There's some proof in the pudding at Penrith. We'll find out who can coach and who can't. Exactly. Barrett back on his own. I think. Barrett, is he just a halves coach? Is he just whatever he is, or is he a first grade coach? We're going to learn a lot. The raw end of the pineapple at Manly. Um, Manly are like Saints. They only want their own. Yeah. Um, I think Barrett can coach, and I think you'll see the Bulldogs with market improvement this year. Yeah. I think the Titans and the Dogs are the two teams. Yeah. That's good. We'll finish. Uh, we'll give us one. We, we did our. We finished our year on a, a bold prediction show. We, we all threw out a bunch of crap. Give us a. So give us a big bold prediction. Not we'll the Titans. Give you a prediction. Do, no. Yeah. Get Ryan Pappenhausen in the state of origin team yep. and we'll win next year. I was a bit upset with Where the does four he play? forwards. Off the bench. Everyone yeah, just says, 14? Yeah. Everyone says Tedesco's the best fullback. Yes, he is. Yeah. Pappy's not. 
Tedesco. But why do not people not understand? Go bold. Stick him at the one. 14. Go bold. No, trails the ruck. 14, okay, yep. We need yep. one, one forward offload. Yep. There's six points. Yeah. Because no one will catch him. Yeah. I was disappointed in Freddie, but you don't change a winning team. But the winning team in I game agree. two had no Munster. No, that's right. Yeah. So. But. I don't necessarily think Queensland win game two even with Munster. I mean, New South agree. Wales absolutely... They would have been better, but New South Wales put them to the sword, I man. Like, I agree. But, but yeah. I remember That's a friend of mine, a Queensland friend of mine, said, why are you so upset after Adelaide? I said, because I think we've just blown the series. That's right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Mate, we've, you, we've got to get you back on for it. No, we will. We, uh, we, we, uh, Happy to do it. I love me football. We, we, if you haven't listened to our show, we do... Especially week in, week out. Our weekly shows, Trev sends the fade out because he falls asleep halfway through. But um, yeah. but he, we, we get him for special events because he wears nice uh, blazers. Uh, but nice. we, the, Ollie, nice Barney and I, nice. Barney couldn't make tonight. Big shout to him. But we do a solid two hours every week on footy. So we do a full review of every game, full preview. We'll get you on Monday. Have some fun. Come have some beers. We'll sort it out. It's, uh, it's yeah, that'll be fantastic. Uh, we will get your plugs in. Get your plugs in for Dan's group and get your plugs in um, for whatever. Yeah, plug. yeah, it's, um, if you're on Facebook, get on Dan's NRL Collectibles. It's uh, There's a lot of rugby league pages, but ours is the best. Very good nostalgia. Respect, very good. Yeah, yeah. nostalgia. And we, it's one of the better groups. Having left a lot of footy uh, groups, I want to say it's one of the better yeah, groups. social media. There's you a do lot. get the odd peanut being a peanut. But, to, yeah. to bag a footballer and uh, we, we, we run a tight ship. So it's great to have those footballers. I know that the people on the page love it when a oh, Ted yeah. Goodwin or someone comments. They love it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the best yeah. part. But Dan's and they a are there. Man uh, yeah. and, um, I'm very honoured to be on his page and it's great to have a chat with you guys. Oh, mate, like in the day, if it wasn't for Dan, we all wouldn't be here 100%. and we wouldn't be mates. 100%. That's it. So um, pleasure to meet another football lover, as if the, oh, I guess the four of us all are. Yep. Um, I want to quickly thank every. I want to quickly give a plug to, as mentioned earlier, uh, Tony Loxley's book, uh, League on Sunday, Work on Mondays. Find that from Dimix. Uh, the website's mentioned earlier. I'll put the links all in the description of these videos and podcasts. Uh, I want to thank Club Redfern for having us. I want to thank Dan Payne, as we said, for coming on board. Alan Whittaker for his time. Alan Feller. Uh, Don McKinnon. Brett Clark. Brett Clark. Brett Clark Don McKinnon. And uh, Tony himself. And Brett Clark. There he still is. Last man standing. Brett, look at him go. Mate, um, last man standing. Flying. So uh, thank you as well for joining My us. Pleasure. It's been an absolute Thanks pleasure, guys. Let's uh, get out of here. Let's get back on the road back to Penrith, back to the, the warm uh, bowels of Western Sydney to keep <laughs> us safe there. Uh, Chat soon, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And see you around the New Year's.